Can you hear yourself? Yeah, I can hear, man. What's Fantastic. up? How's it going? Great, dude. Thanks for coming out. Will dude, Walker. I appreciate it, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, so, man, I have, uh, I guess I've known, how old are you, first of all? 31. So, I'm 33. So, I feel like I've known about you, like, the whole time I've been training martial arts yeah. in Arkansas, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've always heard about Force over here. Yeah. Um, and, well, you know, <clears throat> I think that... I can't even remember when we first met. I was trying to think about this. I think the first time that I really remember like actually sitting down and talking to you was at an AGF, I'm pretty sure, and maybe Tulsa. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. I think so. I think that was the first time we really like sat down and actually talked, but yeah. I, I, I've been to, around Fort Smith, a few MMA cards where you fought on, like yeah. when you were still an amateur. Yeah, that was way back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, which would have been like, and I'd met Rodney uh, Hitchcock at this, uh, like Caleb who owns Inferno. Mm -hmm. He had this yeah. thing, like a winter camp, right? Yeah. And Rodney came and hung out at the winter camp. Oh yeah. It was on a, not pay, a magazine. Oh yeah. Right. But, uh, that was when I first met Rodney and I was like, dude, I've been, I've been hearing all about this. Do you can tell all these Brits, I guess Bruce Lee books yeah, over here, right, you know? Yeah. And, um, but I've always just had a, you know, admiration, a lot of respect for, for him over the years when I've been oh, yeah. around him. And at that time, that I'm talking, this would have been like 2011, yeah. I want to say. So I'd been and about two years, probably about two years with him then at that point. Yeah, but I felt like he was putting out some incredible stuff. That oh, was back dude, when yeah. it was Ronin, right? Yeah, that's Team Ronin. That was back in the day, man. We had a ton of fighters. I think at one point in time, around that, like 2011, 2012, we had a group of guys that were like 84 and 8, like total yeah, combined together. That, we had dude. a ridiculous record for I was our inspired group. by that. Yeah, it was a great, we had a great group of guys, man. It was just one of those everything kind of come together at the right time we literally had like 10 guys that all started like fighting and training on the same weekend like literally i fought on a friday night we had like eight or nine guys fight the next day on saturday and it was all of our first fights at the same time wow and it just became this cycle of like one-upping like every day in training well matt got me yesterday or garrett got me the day before so it just became this deal where we were just so competitive and so pushing each other that we just built this crazy amateur team that had this great record with all these belts garrett pink mohawk guy right yep garrett uh, uh garrett cox yes yep. yes yes I, I see that's one of those cards that i was talking about yep. i remember on that particular card um there was an older guy that fought he was probably like 40 or something oh. like uh he fought and he threw like a lead leg sidekick a lot. And I was, was like, Bobby, was, Bobby Sykes. I, I was bet. like, bro, I love that. Lead leg yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some, we had some good, we had some great. It was crazy, like the, the variety of people we had, like ages, weights, styles of life. Like it was just like this crazy ragtag group of people that you just stuck in a gym together, and we just enjoyed beating the shit out of each other. Really, that's all it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was kind of all we had going for us yeah so like okay so just tell me the story so like i don't know really i haven't kept up with who's with who or anything since has rodney retired like what is he doing these uh, days i haven't talked to him in a long time he's still well up until the whole coronavirus thing happened he was traveling man he's doing international stuff philippines well okay i did keep stuff. up with like uh was tragic kundo was he yep. a part of that yep. and he was doing yeah he's uh doing seminars yep we do seminar we have a like for triad we have a, a like a march september schedule we do like one here one in jackson every year mm -hmm. and then uh, he was going to the philippines and uh, a lot of these different like other countries and teaching for like three four five days at a time but he his gym shut down he shut his gym down in 
I want to say 2011, 2012, somewhere in there is when his gym shut down. He took a job working for the county, so he kind of got to yeah. the point where he really just didn't have time like to a do anymore. Officer or something like He's that. a juvenile officer, okay, yeah. And yeah. Uh, at that point, a lot of those guys that I'm talking about had kind of phased out. They had gotten jobs, gotten married, got had kids, you know, whatever. Had just you know, life had caught up, and they had all kind of kind of moved on. Really, for a little while, I was the only real like original Rona member left that was still training and still fighting for a while. So. And so your dad is a martial artist too, right? Yeah, that's how I started fighting was my dad. My dad started fighting in the 90s, way back when it was NHB, no rules, all tournaments, you know, open mat stuff. It was wild, yeah. man. Wild West days. Okay, there's this old video of Andy Threlkeld mm-hmm. fighting this guy at this like event, like what mm-hmm. you're talking about, early 90s. And he's actually fighting a guy that trained with us at the Clarksville Inferno. I started yeah. training there in 06. And... I think it shut down in 09, yeah. 08 or 09, right? But there's this video, and their their rounds are so um, long. Yeah, it's I mean, insane. They fight the forever. They did. Yeah. Well, I remember my dad talking about how they would have fights. Like he was fighting every weekend, and every weekend the rules would be different. Some places it's open palms. Some days you're using a fist. Some days you can knee to the head. Sometimes you can't. Like he just, it was wow. wild. You ever, I'm sure you have. Have you seen that documentary Choke mm-hmm. about Hicks, yeah. Hicks and fighting that tournament stuff? The rules meeting is so fascinating oh, to me. Every time. Like, it's like, the first they're like, these gloves are pillows, they're pillows, man. And, but they're like, they're like, well, if I knock you down, I should get a 10 count. And you're like, but what about grappling? <laughs> like, it's like, I can't believe that's a conversation. Yeah. 1994, 95, whatever yep. it is. Making it up as they go, man. They're just figuring it out. Dad, which, which that would have been like your dad's yeah. age, right? I think his last fight was like 99 or 2000. So wow. that 96, 97 area, yeah. yeah. Uh, and did he fight just regionally, uh, he train fought, regionally? Uh, man, he, so he lived in, in Oklahoma and he fought, I mean, really he fought anywhere. He drove all the way to Minneapolis and fought Dave Vinay, former UFC middleweight champ. Wow. Drove all the way to Dave. He, that was actually, he fought on the same card as Sean Shirk. The night Sean Shirk made his pro debut. <sighs> okay, so. He fought Salt Lake City. He used to, so back then, the big thing was the Invitationals, the Boss Root Invitational. Salt Lake oh, City. yeah. So he yeah. fought in that two or three times drove all the way to salt lake city to fight in that did you go to the, that sean shirk seminar at Bentonville? yeah i did that was right there. we were there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. dude i was just showing some of his shit the other day that oh, dude, was such a great so, seminar. yeah dude he's so much good stuff <sighs> i'll tell you who's got good stuff greg nelson oh yeah oh my gosh right and i remember being um i can't remember if it was mcfan or rodney but i remember being there and like i have like this like i've been showing greg nelson this little clinch video yeah. i'm like i have his whole series now and i was like guys when i was broke as fuck in college <laughs> i couldn't even afford a tv like this or nothing like here we are watching this stuff in the gym i own this if you want it yeah. like playing it but i remember is it mcfan or rodney or both were standing there and uh they said to sean like how's greg and I was just like, ah, oh, they're yeah. talking about Greg Nelson. <laughs> yeah. But is. man, I, as a coach and like his story with surviving cancer mm-hmm. twice, holy shit. That's, and that's he, wild, man. <sighs> that whole seminar was awesome for me just to be there and be like, there was so many good guys there. I mean, it was a Caleb's, right? That was the one at Caleb's. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's so many good guys there. So many good, just so much knowledge. It was so awesome. It was a cool thing. So what's, you guys are just, uh, have been plugged in with like that part of the martial arts world through the, through like Inasano and, and his proliferation, oh, yeah. right? I mean, at least loosely. And Ted Wong and all those guys. Yeah, that was, so uh, Rodney was really a Ted Wong guy. He was yes. a big time Ted Wong guy. That was our I've thing. I've got a Ted Wong book or, well, I don't think it's actually Ted. It's uh, The Straight Lead by. Oh, uh, Terry Tom? Yes. Yep. But I think 
That's like one that's of his a, students, yeah, that's right? One of the, yeah, okay. that's, she's a Ted Wong one too. Yeah, there's, yeah, Rodney, man. The thing about Rodney is Rodney's been doing martial arts for so long and in so many different arts with so many different people. He mm -hmm. literally has connections to everybody. It's just, it's wild. His concepts of, of grappling are great. Like I've, I've just seen and been around it minimally, but like seen people he's produced and I'm like, yeah. Well, I remember being just being that young, dumb kid that was just like, basically like I, I would try to find stuff that he didn't know. Like I would look up books and articles and YouTube, like, hey, check this out. And he's like, yeah, that's really cool. But if you do it this way, it's better. And I'm like, God, every time, like nothing. No, I can't, it's like I can't find anything he doesn't already know how to do. Yeah. And that, but that's just, that's what made us the way as good as we were. You know, it was funny because everybody knew about JKD and everybody, you know, thought we were all kickboxers and we were all strikers. But man, half of us had better ground games than we did stand up. And it was because of his, you know, just his non-classical yeah, non yeah. right? just his concept. And I mean, it, it, it wasn't even like crazy wild submissions or anything like that. It was just the concept of, you know, flowing stuff together and positioning and all this stuff that just it was all basic stuff that we were doing but we were just so good at it I'll tell you somebody else along these same lines and like i put rodney in a category with these people just based off what i know about him but eric paulson oh yeah we went to a paulson seminar yeah me and rodney went to a paulson seminar together in tulsa and it was oh it was uh, so cool have you seen uh those old uh inasano tapes from the 90s with the blue background no. and eric paulson's his uke right oh yeah he's his like demo partner but they do Ponatukin. uh they do uh, it's they've got J jkd concepts they do this i think it's six part series yeah. but it was on youtube they put it up and take it down periodically i have if I need to try and find it and buy it. Yeah, find the whole set. Uh, yeah, but because it'll periodically be up, and I will watch the shit out of it. Same thing for like in the eighties. Inasano had a bunch of Filipino stuff. He oh yeah, the like, Filipino stick fighting yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, I've seen some of that stuff. That is great. There's, I mean, there's like two and a half of them that are just like single stick, double stick, and knife. Mm -hmm. And then like that's my my meat and potatoes yeah. i'm like bro that wave blade with the knife you're freaking me out yeah what's like, going on here right now i'm just, i'm mesmerized by it yeah, yeah um but man it's all great content oh, dude, it's so there's so much it's i'm lucky to be in this day and age of martial arts where everything is so accessible like it doesn't matter what it is how old it is where it's at somebody somewhere has it and you can find it and watch well, it and I, it's so amazing i bought greg nelson's clinch set from an eric paulson website yeah that's right what I'm so it's yeah. just like <laughs> all right yeah find it wherever you can find it man like i had you're talking about that mark mcvan deal i had stolen that mark mcfan set from my dad on vhs like oh, way back wow. when when i started you know training and watched all that stuff when i was young you know i was probably like 20 maybe 21 at the time it's just stuff yeah. like that. Like I have, it's like you talking about the fight. I have, I have a video, an old VHS of Andy Thrill killed fighting in in uh, Fort Smith on a Danger Zone show. See, way back so I wonder when. if that is not the same one. It might be He's him and my dad fought in the same night. Yeah, I, dude, I bet it is. Probably is. But and he was training with these guys, Tune over mm -hmm. in yeah. uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, Brett Tune. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Those guys are in Mina, man. They're still in Mina now. I see. Though I used to work with you know some of those guys, so. I mean, I like I. That's one of the guy, one of your guys that trained with you all through a long time was Ryan. Yeah, like, I started training yeah, with Ryan and Ryan Mina for a long is a time. Savage, dude. dude. I, it's wild. Tim dude. and Cody and uh, uh, yeah. Luke Gates is another one that I trained mm -hmm. with. That trained mm -hmm. with you a lot. Yeah, so. Luke's been coming back in over the last uh, year or so. Yeah, I want. You know, well, you're seeing him a lot before the lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, and he was uh, he was coming in noon class, evening class. Yeah, 
but I, I haven't seen him a whole lot since. But yeah, he's been in and out. I don't know if he's still living here though. He lives in Boonville now. He's okay. bought a house in Boonville. Okay, good. Just in the last couple months. So good, good, good. Yeah, he's back around now. All yeah, right. I saw him. He shared this Patrick Swayze post. I oh know. yeah, <laughs> I was like, it was like talking about Benny the Jet. Yeah, uh, well, and then uh, like I think Zane Isaac's commenting on it. Right? Yeah, yeah. So what? Uh, so after Rodney kind of got out, like how did things diffuse out from there? So at the time that Rodney kind of shut down, Zane was still teaching. He was teaching at a school in Van Buren, kind of like a, there was like two or three different kind of schools in one building. And mm-hmm. so I was still fighting at the time. So I would train on my own at home. My mom's husband, Dustin has been fighting. I started fighting in 09. He probably started in like 2010 or 2011. What's his last name? Keeter. He came down probably with luke i'm with sure with luke one time yeah yeah real good kick by good grappler too yeah, wall good, work. yeah. yeah. so he uh, me. so me and him trained together pretty much at home like we had you know built just a little spot in the house to train and then i would go to van buren and train with zane every chance i could and that's just what i was doing to fight and uh, that was kind of where we were for a while and then once zane left there we kind of got into a limbo where i didn't really have anywhere to train i was just kind of bouncing around i was going into to Oklahoma and trading with the redneck guys like Chase Smith and Rodney Allison, those guys. I was uh, driving to Searcy and training with the Barada guys. I went over there and oh, trained yes. a couple times with the Barada I've guys. I trained with Willie, uh, Rudy so so oh, yeah. much over the years. But I used to, when, when Willie was in Cabot, I would drive up there at least once a month yep. for a long time. And then I was driving, and then I was training in Mina with uh, Ryan and Cody and all those guys. So I was just kind of bouncing here to there, training wherever I could, anywhere I could get working with guys. So that's pretty much how I was for a long time until, uh, a gym opened in Boonville, uh, Chance Farley's gym opened in Boonville. I mm-hmm. trained there for quite a while, but I, I kind of got, to, it was kind of one of those deals where at that point I was pro and I'd been fighting for so long and we had a lot of just young new guys that were, they were good guys, but they just weren't what I was used to. They weren't really pushing me as much as I needed to be pushed to keep fighting the guys I was fighting. So I stayed there for a while until Foster opened his gym. And Are you then, training with Brian Foster now? Yeah. See, so here's a wild story. One time I trained with Brian Foster way back in the day. Yeah. Like this would have been 07 yeah. ish. He he drove from like Salisaw, I think yeah. it was, on his motorcycle. Yep, that sounds like Brian. Dude, <laughs> to like down, I, I guess he went down the interstate, but he drove and he would train. He would like beat the fuck out of us mm-hmm. and then he would leave. Yeah. Like, uh, or at least he beat the fuck out of me. I don't know that's, about everybody else. I was trying to survive. I only trained them one time though. That's how I, so I met Brian in like 2000, I think I'm trying to think. I went pro in 2013. So I probably met him in like 2014. And mm-hmm. uh, he was at the time was training, I think in Colorado, but he would come home. And then when he was home, he'd be like, Hey, I need you guys to train with while I'm here just to keep me, you know, in shape and whatever. Yeah. And so I was meeting him and training then. And then I think it was probably at the end of 2014, maybe the first of 2015. He's like, Hey, I'm opening a gym. Like I've, I've got, all this stuff i'm opening i'm getting a building i'm gonna open my own spot in fort smith and so i was like say what, the word 2014 you said this i think it's like 2014 2015 was yeah. when he opened his gym and i was like say the word i'm there I man i'll be there every day like whatever and so that's when as soon as he opened his building that's where i was i've been there ever since how long of a drive is that for you oh uh, that's like 45 50 minutes from boonville not too bad that, that's not terrible yeah dude I, I drive 25 minutes to the university yeah when we're going in school yeah yeah. i'm like i got a bunch of of really cool stuff in my office and i'm like maybe i should move all that stuff here are we ever going back yeah i did it all out like i got these two recliners in there i was like maybe i'll just put those over there we got a third spot to sit that's right build up your own spot so brian foster man um 
Oh, he was in the UFC, and then he had this issue with this brain hemorrhage, right? Yeah, basically, he, I don't know. Basically, what it turned out to be is like a birthmark, basically, from, from what I've, from the, from what I talked to him about. It's his birthmark, but UFC super, you know, no hands off about any kind of brain injury, and so it popped up in one of his pre-fight medicals, and that was it. They were kind of hands off, and I mean, the way of the world is once the UFC's kind of hands off, but everybody he, else kind of is the same Elsewhere way. after that, like World Series or something? or no? He has, yeah. He went through just kind of this limbo phase where he was kind of bouncing around fighting a lot of different places and then he got into World Series and uh, then he ended up moving into PFL. Uh-huh. But PFL does all their finals in New York City and New York uh-huh. is, you know, the toughest commission to get approved through for everybody, you know. New York doesn't want to approve anybody, so it kind of got to the point where he was like, well, I can't, no matter how good I do, I'm not gonna be able to fight in the finals. So yeah, dude, I just had Sambo Steve on the podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, zoomed in, you know? Yeah. And he was talking about, I need to make, I'm going to make a clip out of it. I, I made one clip out of the beginning of our podcast, but he talked about legalization. Like he was considered and I believe voted for to be uh, a commissioner, yeah. but didn't make the final cut. But he yeah. was in like, there's like the an initial like group. seven people that were yeah. being recommended, but he lobbied for that hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, I remember it being a big, big deal forever, but we couldn't get stuff to happen in, in New York, you know, but yeah. now, now, even though they're there, it's just, it's so hard. It's so hard. Like just the, the Nate Diaz Mosfidal cut the whole, that whole controversy with that deal. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. everything about New York seems to be harder yeah, for real. Everything has to be harder over there, I guess. I don't know. So that's, that's interesting. Uh, and I'm looking forward to re-listening. Cause like, I mean, I talked to Steve when he was like, but like, man, we talked about the craziest non-martial arts shit. Oh yeah, for like just the get whole on these wild the whole. Fa- well, he like worked in pediatric oncology. Oh yeah. So he was telling cool. me these this one crazy story. I'm gonna put into a clip that's like about this kid who maybe they're hallucinating, whatever. Maybe they're talking to the angel of death. I don't know, yeah. but they're like, I will go if I can bring my yellow notebook. <laughs> yeah. And then the kid's like. All right, I won't bring the notebook. Yeah, jeez. And then, <laughs> yeah. they, then the kid dies. Yeah, like I'm like, oh, what is happening what, right now? I mean, he explained it w- way better than I. But like, that'll be something I turn into a clip, and I'm just like, we talked about stuff like that, and yeah. then then we started talking a little bit of. Well, then I opened a gym. Like, yeah, <laughs> I realized just, this wasn't for me. I'm out. <laughs> man, but that guy, he has all these publications. Mm-hmm. We had one of the greatest greatest talks, and he did fight choreography for John Wick Three. Oh, that's pretty sweet. That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah, he was like, "You guys don't roll into Angelica Houston when she <laughs> when she walks across." This is a big Sambo scene, right? Yeah, but. uh New York. It's interesting. I did Eddie Fivey. Do you know him at all? Who? His name's Eddie Fivey. He orchestrated, there's this video of this gigantic Hickson seminar. They didn't show any techniques like a highlight video. Yeah. 400 people attended. That's at Eddie Fivey's gym. That's wild. It's like maybe the largest adult jiu-jitsu seminar. They had one in Abu Dhabi. had like 3,000 kids. Yeah. Flavio, Kenup, who's been on the podcast, he rode a scooter from Brazil to Canada or something, oh my Alaska. God. Yeah, he um, he was at that kid's jujitsu class. Talked about it on the That's podcast. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, man, martial arts is so cool. Dude, That's dude, why I did. This so is wild. like a. This is the MMA show. Like yes. this is the spinoff. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. I t- I joke around. I'm like, I'm trying not to burden my normal audience with this and these podcasts. Whereas, like, I did one on the Civil War on Friday. It yeah. got like 200 views. This will get. 2000 probably yeah. at least it's just crazy like like we we're talking about before the variety of people like it's just so like you know back in the day it was like so obscure and you'd be like oh, it's like underground like nobody talked now about it's martial the arts only now sport it's, on tv yeah dude. now it's there it's everywhere now oh man keeping it, the sports fans alive right now for real it's um 
it has become such a that, well you know i wrote my master's thesis on some of this stuff and i've been kicking around like talking with with sambo steve got me pumped because that dude has so many publications and mm-hmm. sent me all of this uh these Sambo recommendations of like literature for like sources to cite. Because when I wrote, uh, I talked about Sambo. I basically did a comparison between like, here's martial arts in the cold war and the West. Yeah. And here it is in China and the Soviet union. Yeah. And here's Sambo coming out and here's, uh, reasons they're using it. Here's Wushu. Mao creates Wushu. Yeah. Right. But I'm really wanting to revive that. I did like this three chapter spread on it, but it's like I, I really kind of set myself up to kind of go into this phase of it. Yeah. But it's just like it the the culture, how globalization and just they pushed it to where it's this big cultural phenomenon. Yeah, it's taken over the world, man. It's like I said, you go from you know a bunch of people underground beating each other up in garages to now it's I mean you see the revenue up before, up until coronavirus. I mean, it was one of the, I know it, I talked to people in California. We went to LA for uh, one of our guys fights at for Bellator. And we're talking to guys that are pulling in, you know, close to a million dollars a year running a gym. And you're just like, this is insane. Like I remember in, you know, 2009 when nobody trained, like there was no gyms anywhere. Like there was three gyms in all of the state of Arkansas. And now it's like, people are out there making crazy money and they're, they're blowing up man. they're everywhere. Well, yeah, dude, imagine like West side. Oh yeah, I, know. I, if you could I, I don't West know. Side yeah. in that environment, oh man, they're they're on fire. Oh dude, it's insane, isn't it? They've yeah. been blowing everything up. I want to. Uh, I was talking with um, Bryce has been on the podcast. Yeah, when things kind of playing out for him a little bit, if they ever do, that's true. Yeah, he keeps he, he, making he, that rise. I've been talking to him, um, <clears throat> just texting back and forth. I talked to him on the phone a little bit the other day about. I want to zoom in to that seminar him and Brandon McCaffrey are doing on the Twister, dude. It's in Oxford, Mississippi. I can't set aside the whole weekend for it. I'm kind of, I don't know, it's kind of paranoid about going and being around like tons of people from other states. I don't Mixing into that. And then coming back here like today for like, uh, I actually bargained with Cora. She's going to hang some of my artwork for me. I'm teaching her kids kickboxing. Swapping out. That's right. That's the way to do it. Dude. That's what marriage is about, right? Compromise. I am terrible (laughs) at hanging stuff on the wall and she's awesome. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I was like, guys, like, let me zoom in. I was like, as a matter of fact, let anybody from my gym zoom in. We'll pay $15 extra, whatever. I was like, I would love to go, but I was like, I can't drive down there. I was like, I could probably get you guys a few hundred more bucks by getting some students, but I don't know if that's going to pan out. But Brandon McCathrin, Eddie Bravo bike belt from Decatur, Alabama. Mm Mm-hmm. I've seen some of his stuff too, yeah. Amazing. He did a seminar here. Uh, Not this one. I was across town. Oh, yeah at a 4,000 square foot facility and he came in and it was, it was actually, he did guard passing. I joke around with people. I'm like, that's the third best jujitsu seminar I've ever been to. Yeah. Behind Hickson and a guy who literally does privates with Hickson on the regular basis named Jack Toffer. Yeah. Right. He's some good dudes. Yes. And it's, but like, I, I mean, in, Brandon's trained with Hickson a lot, but you know, I've never under, I guess I have understood some of the hate on Eddie Bravo, right? Yeah. The flat earth and the conspiracies. Yeah. You know, I think that's hilarious. He's, I do too. He's, I mean, he's a weird dude, but I mean, he's, he's so creative. Yeah, dude. He's changed. He's changed Nogi Jiu Jitsu. I mean, forever. Like some stuff I remember. So I got super big into really for me, it started with lockdown. That's where I really started was lockdown because I was, training with my mom's husband dustin mm-hmm. and this guy named bobby those are my two only training partners and dustin was about 230 and bobby was about 215 220 
road bulls, worked on an oil rig his entire life, you know, so they're just manhandling me. I weighed 170 pounds, maybe. So they would literally take me down and just blow through my guard and just beat me up. And so I started learning lockdown stuff, and that was the only way I could use to control them and sweep them and do anything. And that was like 2010. One of, yeah, one of the very, like I, I was just, we've been doing the 10th planet warmups, right? Mm-hmm. And these last three sets of warmups have had a pretty healthy dose of lockdown. And I've been telling all of them, I'm like, I learned this when I was a white belt, yeah. right? Like this would have been, I don't know if you've ever trained Mike Page from Inferno. He's a white belt there, bald, uh, kind of a bigger guy, but yeah. he's been around forever. But he was teaching lockdown at a MMA practice we had in 07, I remember. Yeah. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, I remember somebody giving me a book. When I, I think I was, it was when I was, I don't even think I had a fight yet. I think I didn't even have fought. Was it that guys. one right there? Right by, you see the little wood block? Yeah, mastering, mastering jiu-jitsu or jiu-jitsu no, unleashed rather it was this one it was the mastering the rubber guard okay one. yeah that's someone giving it to me or, and i was like okay cool and I, and I literally read the whole part on the lockdown and started doing it and then just ignored the rest of the book i never even read the rubber guard or, or the, the the spider mount never read any of it for like yeah. a year like all i did was lockdown forever yeah. And then I was like, hey, look, there's like two more chapters to this book. <laughs> that was me with like the twister and the truck and stuff. I got way more into 10th Planet's half guard. Yep. Just like what you're, exactly like what you're saying. I was the same way. I just was tired of getting my half guard pass or my, my pass, people passed my full guard and I was kind of like, whatever. But then when I couldn't hold them in half guard anymore, I was like, okay, I got to figure something out. I got to do something different. Dude, that Hoyler Gracie fight. The second one. The second one, the metamorphosis. I mean, the first one's great too, but yeah. the second one, we, we watched both of them on the podcast recently. My favorite one of the my favorite part of the first one is Joe Rogan freaking out as soon as like Eddie's like still in disbelief, like what just happened to Joe Rogan is losing his mind. Dude, that Joe Rogan and um Cormier and what what what's the other guy's name? I forget. Um Felt it. Was Anik, it Felder? John oh, Anik. They're all just like Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that said, dude, that meme has been used. Uh, re- that photo has been repurposed into a hundred oh, dank God. memes. It's hilarious, man. Some of the stuff, his, everything Joe Rogan does to me is hilarious. Like his whole, oh, yeah. he's got such a, he's built such a crazy fan base off of just. I hope that um, he goes, he and Chappelle do something nearby. I would love to go see that. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Those two are like, yeah. Those yeah. two are like geniuses of, of the world. Man, I hadn't really seen much of Dave Chappelle stuff since he like burst back onto the scene. But then I was like, I was working in my office developing an online class and I was just like, I'd gone down there just kind of like remove distractions and I logged several days down there, but I listened to all of his comedy. Oh yeah. And I was just like, whoa. Dude, he, I remember when he was, you know, biggest thing in the world and just yeah, and like ghosted. It's like out. when we were probably high school, right? Yeah. I, I, that's what I the remember. Chappelle show and all that and just... Now I'm good. Walk away. Conspiracies around why he disappeared or well. It is pretty crazy. I've seen some pretty crazy different things about it, but. Yeah, I was I I was telling uh, some some sort of weird joke came up this morning, and I was like, uh, if Chappelle tells this Cosby joke, he's like, yeah, Cosby, you know. he uh he you minus 30 people or the number of people he's accused of raping he still raped two dozens <laughs> right, i'm yeah. like oh my god like he's like the the oj simpson jokes oh, that he's doing yeah. and stuff oh man they're yeah. but uh it's it's great i i it's genius it's comedic genius it and him and joe rogan on the same ticket together oh yeah it's just two guys that don't care to push the envelope and 
I mean, honestly, they don't really care if you don't like them. They're going to say what they think is funny because they think it's funny, and that's it. That's you, really how they feel about it. Do you listen to any other comedy, like older stuff or anything? Uh, I, I used to listen to a lot. I listened to Kevin Hart, Was for me, was big. Went to a lot of Kevin Hart stuff. I used to listen to some Eddie Murphy stuff. Robin Williams, probably my oh, favorite all-time stand-up dude. comedian. Robin Williams was amazing. If I could listen to one show, would you recommend, do you have a recommendation? <sighs> Man, that's a tough one. Let me think. The uh, I don't know about a whole show, but the cl- have you seen the clip of Robin Williams as the American flag? No. Oh, you need to look it up. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. He comes out wearing a red, white, and blue shirt, and he just has all these just jokes about him, like basically as he's the American flag talking to all these people. It's a pretty good okay. clip. It's a good clip. Man, I was so devastated about his death. I know. He, had, he was, I don't know, one of those... For me, one of the greatest actors of, like, I guess my generation is what you'd say, like my gro- my childhood growing For up. Real. And the range, man, just from, you know, like Patch Adams to being a 10 year old kid in Jack, like just this crazy, oh, man. wild variety of stuff. I mean, he just, he was so good at everything. Yeah. You know, Hook is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Hook's another great one. Yeah. Yeah. And even in that movie, he goes from the, you know, straight laced businessman in a suit all the way back to being like a childhood kid again in one movie. I mean, just, it's just, He's one of those guys, man, that I don't think there'll be another one of them ever. I know a lot of people had a problem with that Aladdin uh, live action. But but I, you know, I thought if they were going to do a live action, it was different enough. And then it's like, well, if you're going to cast somebody, I mean, I can deal with Will Smith. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, he did. He, he, he was good. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I mean, I watched it a couple times. I thought the Jafar character kind of sucked. Yeah, he was a little weak for for a week. Yeah, yeah, a little weak too. He wasn't, yeah. Yeah, Jafar was a good villain. He was, dude. He's one of them. Yeah, uh, one of those childhood villains that uh, him and Scar, man, they're up there for your for your uh, for your animated villains. We went and saw uh, Lion King when it was like back in theaters a while back. Um, yeah. Oh, we went and saw the live action one. Oh, right? yeah. We didn't even see that. But Cora and I have reseen the cartoon in theaters since oh, yeah. we've been together, right? But we sat down, and as soon as we sit down, she starts crying and looks at me and goes, Mufasa's going to die. Yeah. I was like, I no. Know, I know what happens. <laughs> like, as soon as we sat down, I was just like, oh, the little tra- childhood yeah, trauma. Right, yeah. she, like, I turned on Fox and the Hound at the house the other day, and she started crying. She's yeah. like, she's going to drop the fox oh, yeah. off. And the, the mom dies in the beginning. Yeah. It's um, crazy for me. It's awesome because now I have kids. So now I get to watch all this oh, stuff. Yeah, how old are your kids? Watch. I have nine, 10, and 12. Holy shit. Yeah. So wow, it's cool. You... So now I get to watch all this stuff. And it's funny. Me and my wife were talking about this the other day. I try to watch. I try to like show my kids stuff. I watched it on my kid. I'm like, hey, you guys should watch this movie. It was so great. And Spider-Man I started watching cartoon. it. And then like halfway through it, I'm like, why the hell did my parents let me watch this? Like, this is not a movie that I should have been watching when I was a kid. And I'm like, sorry, guys. We're going to turn this one off. This is uh, <laughs> This is not one that we need to be watching. We'll revisit this in a couple of years. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I just saw one of the parents from the gym that was showing their kids some, something on like a kid's YouTube channel that was like, uh, she said it, that they were cussing like all throughout. And I was just like, well, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I never really, I don't know if I've noticed it, but like, but so I, I was thinking back like some shows that were kind of on the edgier side. Ren and Stimpy. Oh yeah, uh, cow Rocco's, and chicken. Yeah, cow and chicken. Yeah. Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah, with Louis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I think I turned out all right. Yeah, you, I mean, you did too. Made it all right. Yeah, I grew up in the Adult Swim era, so I mean, everything on Adult Swim was sketchy. Dude, um, <laughs> the the Ace and Gary skit on um, what was it? Uh, wow, man, what was it? Came on uh, Space Ghost. Oh yeah, Space I, Ghost. Yeah, Space Ghost. Yeah. 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 Oh, there was some bad ones. Uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That was a, oh, that was a wild dude, one. We are the Aqua yeah. Teens. I love Aqua Teen, dude. Yeah. I, I had uh, 
the first several seasons of that. Yeah. Meat Wad. Meat Wad and Shake and Frylock. Oh, yeah. 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 That's what I grew up on is all that old stuff. So, yeah, me and my wife Carl. have very, very differing opinions on uh, what's appropriate for our kids to watch. So, oh, yeah. that's probably why. Dude, I, there's a, a funny-ass uh, Aqua Teen episode where, like, uh, Shake is, like, fucking with Meatwad the whole time. Oh, yeah. And, and Fry, Fry says something to him, and he's like, why is anything anything? Yeah, I remember, yeah. He's like, why did you do this to me? Why'd you put him in the dryer? He's like, why is anything anything? Yeah, he's, like, trying to pawn it off on yeah. society. I don't want it. I mean, what are you talking about? This is, this is the way the world is. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, <laughs> but I say that all the time. I'm like, why is anything anything? Yeah. Dude, so let's sidebar here. Um, so, dude, why don't you drink coffee? I'm just not a coffee man. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the taste of it. And I'm just not, never have. I, I respect that. My uh, my wife drinks coffee, but even like whew, the Scentsy things, she has the coffee Scentsy. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, can't even, can't even do it. Cora has a love-hate relationship with it. Like she, she is now where she will only drink like one a week and it's like her guilty pleasure. I'm just yeah. like, it's my second one tonight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, this is for me, man. I've been yeah. on this monster kick since I was probably like, 15 or 16 and dude i was uh, i drank mountain dew for the longest time which is i'm glad i I very rarely drink one not even i would not even say once a month yeah but uh for the most part i just do uh i do a couple coffees uh and like electrolyte supplement Mm -hmm. and water dude i mean and vitamin c yeah i'm just good stuff yeah man i since i stopped fighting all the time i drink and eat anything and everything whatever i want i used to fight at 155 pounds which is insane yeah. people that meet me now that never saw me back then what are you walking around at now probably 220 right now oh wow yeah. yeah probably somewhere in there okay How that's pretty six two okay yeah i was like you, so you're a couple inches taller than me i noticed i was thinking you were much taller yeah uh, i was like in in my mind i was yeah. like yeah dude he's like six four like yeah, nate, no. nate murdoch height yeah no not quite that tall but yeah, but it's even now, even even when I was fighting at like 85, I was like, man, I can't believe I ever made 55. Like it's like me and Brian talk about it. Like whenever I, like, cause you know, from time to time I'll fight. I'm like, hey, I want to fight, you know, in a couple months, like give me time to train. I want to fight. And he's like, well, wait. And I'm like, probably 85. I was like, maybe 70. He's like, never 55. I was like, no, never again. Never again, 55. Never yeah, happened again. I had a fight at 55. I'm like 190, 195 hovering around right now. But I'm actually like lifting two yeah. to three times a week and just doing things i got more muscle than i had when i was like i got up to where i was like 210 yeah after i stopped competing mm-hmm. like i just had all this like goal-oriented practice and competing and then like after like what you're saying on the other side of that i was like man fuck it I'm yeah just gonna, um, i'm gonna enjoy life and, and, yeah everything <laughs> But I did, you know, I did notice a lower quality of life. Yeah, like, you can definitely tell. But, you know, honestly, I saw, I just got a wellness checkup yesterday and my doctor, I told her I'd had these weird issues uh, with the, a nocturnal panic attack. Oh yeah, like waking up in the middle of the night? Yeah, and I talked to three total people about it. Responses varied. Like, uh, first doctor's like, I almost guarantee you have sleep apnea. Like, look, you're telling me you're like a little overweight. You're weighing like 210 right now. Um, the doctor yesterday was like, did you have horrible indigestion around that time? I was like, yeah, I did. Yeah. And she's like, well, let me explain this science to you. It's very scientific. I don't want to get into it right now. But um, yeah. she she went, talked about how whatever happens, something closes off and my, my trachea and laying down indigestion yeah. and very scientific i don't know but i was like so you think it's indigestion i was like i was telling her i was like yeah i did my indigestion was so bad 
a couple of times I threw up because of it and that's never happened before. And I have no problems with that now. Hmm. Right. Um, so I don't know, but I just like, I don't know if that's what was causing it. I don't know if it was, I had talked to one other person that was like stress. Yeah. And I was the thing everybody passes everything. It's all stress. It's all stress's fault. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, but I was like, I've been I've been distressed before, yeah. right? Like I did. It was around the time I started working at the university too, mm-hmm. right? So it's like I was having all these changes in my New life. New life stuff. Yeah, we were trying to move over here. Yeah, or trying to. We were trying to move. We were trying to build actually. Yeah, we ended up moving. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was just a weird time, and I I got leveled out and turned my got got healthier yeah. and started exercising every day such a big thing do people like i work in a hospital been working in hospitals for 10 over 10 years now and i see so many people that come in like oh i have this problem this i'm like yeah well it's because you eat terribly and you don't exercise and you you know don't sleep right and you know i mean there's so many things that just i was on melatonin man it was oh, yeah. weird because like i would i went from where i would take like a refreshing nap during the day like when i was just here at the gym mm-hmm. for like five years after my grad I would just, I had a rhythm, but when I started teaching, it was Screwed out the window, up. but you would thank me working all day. Mm-hmm. I would be able to sleep well at night. No, dude, I can't, I don't, I don't sleep hardly. It's, I don't sleep well at all. And it's not even about my body. It's like my mind. It's like, I do, like I'm so busy all day doing things that I don't think about stuff. And then as soon as I get in bed, it's like all these thoughts that I skipped over all day long while I was busy doing stuff, like all just come to my head at once it's just no can't sleep see i would i was struggling with that a little bit too and what i was telling somebody this morning what kind of regulated that for me if any like i've been posting about a lot is listening to audiobooks oh yeah all the passive time let's say i'm on uh the elliptical or the row machine mm-hmm. all that passive time i now have my airpods in oh yeah right and i'm exercising listening to like whole albums of my favorite bands or or books right? yeah. like i've done 62 books this year that's crazy yeah and that's uh that and i've done i'm not uh, th- those are audio books and there's a couple in there that are physical books yeah excuse me but that is but it's like it's been a really motivating thing for me and like what i was telling them is like that time that i wasn't listening to books every day a couple hours I would probably be having like negative thoughts and shit like, you you know, or my mind would be racing because, uh, it does. Yeah. It's just all those things that you should have done or need to do tomorrow or, you know, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? You know, it's just constant. Yeah. See, it's, it is, it's funny. And people like comment on like how cool all this shit is. And I'm just like, it's a disease. (laughs) It's a disease. I can't control it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is like being creative and like having these hobbies like we have, like Mm -hmm. even if it was just martial arts, but then it's like, well, martial arts is great. I got to own a gym and I got a podcast about it. I got it. Yeah. I got to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm bad, man. I, I, I have so many, varying interest that's what's really my problem well, is. how did you decide to get in the medical field um my mom's a nurse my mom's a nurse my aunt's a nurse her husband dustin's a nurse like all i grew up in a whole family full of nurses and literally when i was in like seventh or eighth grade i took this class and they were like hey we're gonna the whole point of the class was uh i think it was called careers or something You're supposed to research these careers and you know at the end of the end of the semester you had to make up this little project about you know what the annual salary what all this stuff yeah. like that and i literally was like hey what's a really good job i can make pretty good money and not really do a lot of work 
and x-ray tech was like one of the first ones that popped up and i was like i'm in that's what i want to do right there dude i, jo- I joke around about that because i became you know what you this and yeah. then a history professor but like i remember like talking to one of my aunts and she's she's super successful in life and she's in like um she was a social worker for a long time now she runs this place that uh Oh, it's called Forster Davis. I don't know if mm-hmm. you ever heard of it, but I was talking with her, and um, she's like, "You should become a radiology tech." Like, oh yeah, you know, a couple of years of school, like you're going to get paid like almost forty thousand a year. Yeah, it's like, pretty it's, good. It's a good gig, man. I can't like I said, I've been doing it for ten years. Can't really yeah. complain too much about it. So, and I told her, I was like, "I think I, I think I want to get a history degree." Yeah. Like, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. <laughs> like that was the, but then, then too, like uh, other, other, it wasn't just her either. Right. And uh, no hard feelings either. But then other people are like, martial arts is just a fad, Brian. Uh, like, yeah. when are you going to stop gonna make a career out of that? this? Yeah. And I'm like, eh. yeah. right. That's like, I, I joked a couple weeks on Facebook. Those two statements uttered by multiple people are oh, yeah. two of the most defining ironic statements ever full circle and you're me. like oh yeah, yeah look at that <laughs> I, and i think people get that uh, oh, yeah, but sure. it but too man i'm just now i'm such a firm believer that you could do anything you can make anything a career you see yeah. people that don't do nothing but youtube and tiktok all day long you can do you make a career out of anything these days true that true but that. yeah i mean for me x-ray like i said medical field it's always gonna be jobs people are always gonna be sick you know i've always it's like it was like a fallback kind of thing you know at the time i didn't start even start fighting until i was probably halfway through my x-ray like x-ray school like halfway through college i but i started fighting and so i was like it's cool i'm fighting you know and you know i have x-ray if you know worst case scenario i blow up my acl or you know whatever and i can't ever fight or do anything again i can always be an x-ray tech it'd be fine yeah you ever have any injuries or anything crazy fight uh, fight out honestly fight? no really the worst thing i have is you know this bad cauliflower year that's really oh, probably about man. as bad as it gets Bro. and i uh I tore my meniscus last September. Now you have more flexibility in those leg locks. Yeah, that's right. No right. one bother me now. Yeah. Uh, have you been seeing these uh, photos pop up of Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> it's like, it's Shia LaBeouf, but then it'll be like, it like zooms in on his ear, just like yep. you just did. And it's like, what's going on here? Shia LaBeouf's training guys. Like, yeah, we, gotta right. yeah, we, got, we got him in. He's in. Him oh, and Ashton. Wow. We got Ashton Kutcher now. Oh, <laughs> now we're adding Shia. Did you see that video of Ashton Kutcher rolling with like Craig Jones? I think it was. Uh, it was atrocious. Oh, um, yeah, I'm sure. It was not very good. It wasn't as bad as everybody I knew was giving him yeah, shit for. Everyone's got to, yeah. You know, I wonder who uh, a celebrity, I wonder about their jujitsu is uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. Right? It'd be a good one to see. Yeah. I think I always I always thought it'd be cool if they would come out with a show like you see all these people like basketball players and and uh, celebrities that talk smack to each other all the time and all in but but the thing is they say all these things because they know never in life are they ever going to have an, a physical altercation it's never going to happen mm-hmm. so we need like celebrity death match but like real life like tough man rules headgear and boxing okay, two minutes yeah. round oh, so they did that once but it was not like what we want yeah, right? no. we want like Shaq and Charles That's, Barkley yeah so I'm saying yeah you two two guys that really don't like each other you know and I think one one or two things that happened either we would settle some of these beefs or people would talk a lot less trash <laughs> who was it the guy that played Screech and Saved oh, by the Bell he, uh, he, Dustin Diamond or whatever. yeah he, he boxed somebody right oh that was yeah I remember celebrity boxing stuff yeah there was I remember who was it uh was it Roy Jones Jr. that knocked, like, beat the crap out of a fan or whatever like yeah. that? They did the bidding for a, whoever could have a sparring match with Roy Jones yeah. Jr. He just obliterated this guy. That guy's like still, well, I don't know recently, but like a couple years ago, he was fighting. Oh, yeah. Roy Jones Jr. Yeah. His, his story is, like, yeah. when he was multi-division, like, whew, 
I remember watching this big highlight about him probably in 2009, 2010, and I was, it blew my mind because I'd never really followed him until that time. Yeah. But, yeah. There's some, there's some so many people that have these just wild, like I remember hearing stories about Matt Hughes about like training for these world title fights for like two weeks. Like nothing, just busy working, farming, show up like two weeks out and then go, you know, when go beat Sean Shirk or, you know, GSP or somebody, then you're like, how? How does this happen, man? Man, that's a sad story about him. Uh, with that tr- getting yeah, hit by a train crazy man. yeah i, I remember Holy hearing shit. that thing and like mm, this can't yeah. be real this has got to be one of those go watch some of the videos they've made about him dude there was one that i like it, it pretty much made me cry oh like, yeah it's he because, was in bad shape yeah he was a horrible traumatic brain injury and it, it affected his speech mm-hmm. like he well, like he that's could like talk the dude but, from uh, what's the guy from oklahoma city the guy that owned r1 mma you know what i'm talking about oh, matt uh i don't know his name he was in the ufc too same type of deal he got i think he got rear-ended at a red light like he was sitting at a red line got rear-ended do you know same who deal. mark barber is he had a horrible neck injury from getting in a car accident like yeah. damn near uh kept him out of training like and still he's uh i don't think he likes getting hit in the head i yeah. mean it, I, i've sparred with him but like i remember then that and then something else happened where he broke his orbital bone Ooh, like a fluke a, sort of a deal that's a bad one yeah, but I mean, he was like, he's like in his 40s, you yeah. know, but it, it really, he, he owns 501 in Conway. Yeah. Well, that's uh, this dude, this dude from Oklahoma, I think he's from Oklahoma City. His name, I can't think he was a cop. He was a cop in Oklahoma City. His name was, I can't think of his name, Matt something, but he, I've seen him since. I've seen him at a couple, uh, like Tulsa shows and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it's the same deal. He was in the UFC and doing all this stuff and then just gets rear-ended or hit at a, at a red light and that's it. It's over, man. That's terrible. No more UFC fighting. I mean, they were real, it's kind of like Matt thing. They were real concerned about whether or not he was going to live for a while. And then, you know, slowly he's come back around, but that's wild, man. It's crazy how fast stuff like that can just like the flip of a switch and it's over, you know, dude. So what, uh, what have you been seeing out there with like coronavirus and stuff? Do you care to talk about that? Yeah, I'm good. Bit? Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. We haven't had a lot of it. I've probably seen maybe, I'd say maybe 15 positive cases that I've actually like been around seeing. I've only seen one person so far that's actually died from it, like complications from it. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a wild deal. It's, right. there's so many varying theories and there's so many different, you know, opinion. Everything has to be so like one extreme or the other, you yeah. know, in our, in the world today, nobody can have like that middle ground opinion about anything. So it's just, it's wild. Yeah, it it is. It's been uh, you know, like we're gearing up to go back to school here in a few weeks, and I'm just yeah. like, oh man, they have our our little community college has some weird ideas on how things are going to work. Yeah, it's. I think everyone does. It's the thing, man. It's like there's there's extremists, you know, like from from one extreme to the other, from it's completely BS and you know nothing really happens to you know we're all going to end up in concentration camps because of coronavirus oh i mean God. it's just from one extreme get, to the other yeah yeah i saw one it's like get in this rail car there's they're yeah. gonna cure your coronavirus yeah I'm it's like, just crazy it's, yeah but yeah it's uh i mean it's i know people that are in i know people that went to new york city and worked when it was bad there i know people that are in texas right now working in the the high risk areas i mean it's for those areas it is they're really getting hit hard i mean they're having people die five six people a day die i remember hearing stories about them having to like facetime people in new york city so that they could take their the loved ones off ventilators because no one was allowed to come in no one was allowed to see them so they're having to literally do all this through a you know a tablet or whatever so in places it's bad it seriously is really a, a, a devastating disease but we just haven't got to that point here and so i think a lot of people here are like oh we're fine there's nothing going on and they're like yeah but it's there's more going on than just here it's not just what's happening here it's what's happening everywhere yeah those hot spots and how they're bouncing around 
it's, yeah, it's wild. I mean, here in Pope mm-hmm. County, we're we're Pope and Yale County are hot spots in the yep. state right now. Yep. Um, and we we have two hundred, a little over two hundred active cases yep. in our community. Uh, have you? I know fifteen is a smaller number, but have you been able to see any trends in those cases that, like, oh yes, all you know, uh, the people who experienced the worst symptoms were. No, dude, it's, that's the thing about it. It's weird for me. Cause like I've, like I said, I've been in healthcare for 10, 10 years. So I've been through swine flu, Ebola, Zika, like all these crazy viruses that were supposed to be, you know, world ending. And you know, they ended up being really not much of anything, but that's what I thought this was going to be. In that's, the beginning. I think that's what a lot of people did too. I think that's, I think that's kind of one of the problems we had in the beginning. The media has, has blown up all these other diseases so much over the years that everybody's like, ah, whatever, it's going to be another, you know, another one of those and, and kind you, of ignored stuff. Do you think we... Do you think this is over sensationalizing the media? Do you think those were over sensationalizing the media? Those and ones this definitely is were. screwing us up. Yeah, now. I think that kind of yeah, I think those were very over sensationalized, and that kind of led to this one kind of being under appreciated whenever it came out. You know, even though we'd seen a lot of stuff in other countries, I think generally as a you know as a country, we're like, oh, well, we have better better healthcare, better living conditions. You know, so it's probably not going to be as bad here once it gets. And I think it's those densely populated areas, man. When you have that many people living on top of each other, it's hard to to prevent stuff from spreading as easily. That's one of the benefits we have here in Arkansas is that our population generally in a day-to-day life is very spread out, you know, outside of a few major cities that we have. For the most part, we're pretty spread out. So I think that's one of the reasons why we haven't been hit as hard as some of those areas have, but it doesn't take much, man. Yeah, man, it's it's been a super weird time from like what you're saying to seeing the angst of the one extremity to another like a a weird slash funny story i don't even care about it but somebody who used to go to our gym like yesterday there's a school board member and it went viral man it got stared on state media but um the school board member was like hell daggum man i'm dang old boom how trying to get my kid exposed before we go back yeah man during this herd immunity yeah and and like and then and but before that he was like if you don't send your kid back you should be responsible to educate him oh god right and then he said that he was trying to get his kid exposed so he could get antibodies when i haven't really seen anything super compelling on antibodies lasting yeah that's how that's kind of what i had an antibody test uh last week i think because i went and donated blood and mm-hmm. i haven't got those results back yet but i yeah it's, you're saying like everything is so crazy i've literally seen where like one person gets it and spreads it to their entire household i've seen another story where a husband had it and his wife stayed in the house with him slept in the same bed with him for the entire two weeks never got it we had that here so i'm like, I'm like, like it's uh, just... she got tested um and got her results back damn near immediately that's another thing is literally test results coming back have been two hours to two days all over the place yeah but uh and i think i think they may be conspiracies because i haven't seen good sources but like people be like oh we sent these tests in that didn't even get swabbed and they came back positive or the rapid tests are very i don't i want to say inaccurate but they're they're real dicey the rapid tests are so like normally for us when when you get a rapid test whether it's positive or negative they send it off anyway to have the the full test done mm-hmm. to it anyway because they're still kind of on the fence about how accurate these rapid tests are and it's really that way with everything with even when the rapid testing for flu and strep and all that stuff first came out you're like well how how accurate can this be if it only takes 30 seconds to do you know like how much you know so there's a lot of double checks and fail safes built into the healthcare system that people don't really know or see about and so that's sometimes why some of those varying results can be like that like because you may test negative 
on the rapid test, but they're like, well, is that really negative? So we're going to send this off and wait two days and get the real full panel run and see what happens to you. you. Know, so the conspiracy theorists are going, they're like, yeah, because they're infecting you. Yeah. That's what, that's <laughs> what they're like. They put the coronavirus on the swab and then and touched you. Right in the, yeah. I'm like, damn guys. It's like, insane, isn't it? George Soros, he did this. <laughs> like <laughs> Kaiser Sosa, what's going on here? Yeah. It's, oh, man. Yeah. There's some crazy stuff out there. Like I saw just, I think it was last night. They, they put this uh, robot in the schools in Boonville that checks your temperature. Like you walk up and, and you thing it and you run your wrist up the side of it and it checks your temperature and people are losing their minds. Dude, I, ch- I check everybody's temperature in the gym yeah. now. But like, they're like, I don't want my kid being put into some government facial recognition. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, okay. So here's a funny ass conspiracy. You know how Trump's wearing a mask now, right? Oh, yeah. Like the conspiracy is since this because trump's like i hear wearing masked and patriotic <laughs> and the 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 ultra i guess people on his his uh side of the aisle or whatever you want to describe it as yeah. are saying that somebody briefed trump that mask wearing is thwarting all of the facial recognition oh, software so out that's there, why he's doing which it he likes yeah he likes taking down those uh those facial oversights yeah. you know and uh but but yes he heard this and that's why it's patriotic that's right i'm like I, mean, eh, I don't know that's a big reach um i would say i don't know if trump's for facial recognition or not it's a pretty controversial topic it is and that's wild. the first thing i thought when i was like well at least they won't be able to see our yeah, faces that's right, now. Yeah. now now everybody's gonna be getting away with stuff people gonna be coming and going i honestly think that okay so i configured uh configured on my new Mac in that case right there there's a little button over here on the side and i tapped it 20 times two sets of 10 and it it scanned my fingerprint every time I had to do it in like patterns and it would just layer and layer and layer. Now, literally I open it up and I go boom and it logs me in. No typing the password. Yeah. So it's like, I wonder like how many, if you're going into a database like the NSA and even your eyes, they're like, if they get 20 imprints and it's all going to the same place, if they can assimilate, oh, this person's faces like DNA or like fingerprints. That's like people freaking out about this facial recognition with these kids things and I'm like okay well what do you think is happening at those self checkouts at Walmart when they're scanning your face and airports where they're scanning I mean you you get scanned everywhere you go whether you realize it or not so all right I'm ready to fly that's right yeah stand, stand assume the position dude I got you know I got frisk frisked the last two times I flew coming and going really? I, I was just like damn guys um and I'd never been patted down yeah. before i don't know maybe it's my long hair it's weird maybe yeah, it's it, right. i did have a long hair and like i i don't i just kind of like grow my hair my beard hair out and i shave it and i grow it out and shave yeah. it maybe i was like a hippie i don't that's know that's right you were I, a suspicious character i did i was coming back from a widespread panic concert <laughs> that's right. yeah, there you a go. wild crowd down there <laughs> i man. imagine yeah yeah i did I, uh you ever listen to widespread panic hmm. the, you know most people I run into, because I'd never heard of them until 2015, and now like I follow them around the country whenever yeah. I can. But they've been a band since, I don't know, we were born. Yeah. <laughs> but I never heard of them. And I've constantly wondered why as a historian, but like they don't really get a lot of radio play. They own all the rights to their own music. Uh, but yeah. they're kind of like a southern rock band, man. They're from Athens, Georgia. Um but yeah, most people I run into that are, you know, I don't know, I don't stereotype or anything, but people such as yourself yeah. are like, damn, that's good. Yeah, to check it out. Yeah. So they, I mean, they've played, they connected the Allman Brothers and a bunch of, a bunch of bands that's wild. like that. Yeah. So, um, matter of fact, the drummer of Widespread Panic is the nephew of the drummer of the Allman Brothers. 
Hmm. That's pretty well. I'll have to check it out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Derek Trucks? He's a slide guitar player. Oh, um, yeah. And he's the brother of the drummer of Widespread Panic. Hmm. There you go. It's like a family event. Yeah. It's like, to, that's what fascinates me. I, it, I may write about it some days, like how connected all of these bands are. Dude, it's crazy how much you hear about all these big time bands that are re- related or, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of some kind of inner workings where they're all together somehow. Yeah. Yeah. My music, man, I'm all, it just depends on what day it is. I'm all over the place. What, what's some stuff you're into? I'd be hard. I'm dude, I'm hardcore on Luke Combs right now. Okay. I mean, he's blowing up all over the world, I guess. So I'm a big Luke Combs guy, but I mean, some days I'll go all the way back to the, you know, nineties rap. I was listening to NWA and Easy E last night dude, when I was working in the lab. So I, I said just the other day, uh, on the floor, I don't, somebody said something and I was like, I remember when forgot about Dre was number one on TRL. <laughs> That's right. And they were just like. I was like, Total Request Live with Carson Daly. Hello. Yeah, big window. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, uh, but yeah, man, the 90s gangster rap back in the day. Oh, was, yeah. It's the good stuff, man. It was. I love, I love Tupac, man. Yeah. Tupac, Easy E, Dre. Yeah. All that good stuff. Man, Suge Nas. Such a crazy oh, character, right? I saw, I was listening, so I'm, I always listen to stuff on like YouTube and stuff. So I have like wireless headphones. So when I'm in the lab doing, whatever i'll just put my wireless headphones on and let my phone just play and let it go and i yeah. all of a sudden i know where i hear this thing talking about the life and the crimes of suge knight and i'm like oh god it's gonna change this one go put something else back to some music wow that stories i he guess is. he's in jail right now but i think so again he's been in jail probably more time than not oh for sure for the last several years yeah he's been hey man he's just i don't know one of them dudes yeah wild that is, that is like every time I watch a documentary and he's in it or, or something, it's just like such an interesting character, how he's been been around as long as he had and stayed alive as long as he had yeah, yeah, and been in trouble as much as he had. That's the crazy part that he stayed alive this long. He's just, he's yeah. always in it with somebody. So In the car with Tupac when he was shot. That's crazy. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, did you like any of those movies that they released uh, on uh, what was it? What was the one that was about Dre? It was was it uh, Notorious? Oh, I, I haven't seen Notorious. Back. I watched the the Straight Out Compton one. Straight Out of Compton, yeah, that, that's what I meant. But yeah. then there was another one around that same time. The Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, one, yeah. yeah, I haven't watched that one, but I, the Straight Out Compton one was pretty good. I think it's cool that Ice Cube's played by his son. Yeah, that part's pretty cool. Yeah, they yeah. look so much alike. It's wild. Well, and the guy that played Dr. Dre, I'd seen him in a few other things. Like mm-hmm. we did, we used to watch Walking Dead. Oh yeah. I kind of fell out of it, but he was in that Walking Dead for a season yeah. or maybe more. But um, I thought he was a good actor. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah, that stuff, that stuff gets people re-interested, oh, like yeah. on nostalgic. Brings like, it back around. Like yeah. Cobra Kai. Yeah. Right? Yeah, if you've right. watched that any Cobra all, Kai stuff, it's yeah. going to be on uh, Netflix now. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I they're like moving it. it over from, from YouTube to Netflix. That'd be good. Dude, I've been super speculative about like YouTube. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, so, well, what I was saying, like, uh, it, it seems to be shifting way towards a kid's audience. Mm-hmm right like big time i think most people like uh our age are probably showing their kids youtube shows and stuff because like oh we watch youtube yeah well i think a lot of kids these days spend their time on like tablets and phones and youtube is just so easily to access and i mean you can find anything you want on youtube it's wild but man the censorship is insane Mm -hmm. uh and i will uh, sorry let me turn this off like i was saying to you i will get um a couple of thousand views maybe and so i did one with you know have you ever heard mike bidwell the bjj after i've heard of him yeah but i I, why did podcast with him it got five thousand views on facebook that's crazy it got like 
40 on YouTube. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I, and I promote my YouTube, uh, especially lately, because I was talking to Brandon Quick, and he's like, dude, you got to share your YouTube links yeah. over more. But half the time when I click a YouTube link from Facebook, not even my own, but sometimes my own, it'll say restricted mode. Oh, yeah. I've it's, seen that, yeah. too. Yeah, it's weird. Like, they're they're cutting each other off. Joe Rogan's leaving YouTube yeah. and going over to Spotify. So I'm just like... And uh, a guy that I came on the podcast, I'll release his episode uh, tomorrow. Mike Andler is his name. He has a podcast, and he's like, I'm all in on Facebook. Yeah. I don't even, I'm not even looking at YouTube. Yeah. And I was like, that's interesting, because I've thought about going that way. And like, people are like, well, the views on Facebook aren't the same. And I'm like, here are my analytics. Like, people are watching for 17 minutes. And like, I mean, it's, I was like, that's a better analytic than I'm looking at here on YouTube. Yeah. But man, I really am just getting a bunch of momentum with the podcast, honestly. So. Yeah, it's good. I think the YouTube thing gets it because as soon as they push play, you get that view, even if they watch 10 seconds and they leave. So to mm-hmm. you like, oh, I got this many views. I'm like, yeah, but how many times are you actually holding your audience for the duration of a podcast or the duration of your entire clip? Even, man, even like, so like gym technique videos, like mm-hmm. I put out this little butterfly sweep uh, counter, like yeah. a, a way to, to counter with somebody, while somebody's sweeping you. I shared it on Facebook. I got some hateful comments from white and blue belts, but I got like 6,000 views yeah. and a bunch of positive comments too. But like a couple people talk shit and I was like, I made it. Yeah. This is it. Like this is like, never have I had two people talk shit and 6,000 views on any video on YouTube. It, yeah. But Facebook, it like, Blows it was up. getting shared. Uh, but that's like, that's my highest view so far on like a gym video. But j- the gym YouTube, I like just having them saved there. Yeah, they're just there. It's like a library. Like you can just go back and look them up, find them. Yeah, and I, I will put uh, a percentage of that content on like maybe Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. But man, it's weird. Uh, I've had people I know that own martial arts gyms for years be like, yeah, Facebook's on its way out. Yeah. Like, like five years ago, and I'm like, I'm all in, man. I'm paying yeah. Facebook some money today that's like, right, so that yeah. I can get more people in more, here. More sponsorship, more we, pushing yeah, your stuff. We, yeah, we get tons. That's like our number one medium. Oh, yeah. People hitting us up daily. Yeah, that and Twitter, man. Or, or I never broke into Twitter. I much. never did either, but I know so many people that that's all they do. That's all they do is Twitter. Like, they don't even mess with their Facebook and stuff anymore. I but. think I'm going to make a personal Twitter to, yeah. to really pump the podcast, honestly. Yeah. But I, I've always had an issue with creating things with my name mm-hmm. because I had the same name as the Beach Boys singer. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just having a comp like William Walker. You know how many William Walkers there are in the Dude, world. I got a great story. <laughs> I was going to joke about this. And it's, it's kind of ironic, but you commented like a few months ago, I was like, I'm looking for podcast guests. Yeah. You're like, I'll come on. I was like, hell yes. I would love to talk to you. Yeah. But tomorrow there is a pharmacist in the Arkansas's oldest pharmacy, C&D drug named Will Walker. There you go. And he's coming on tomorrow, That's a awesome. Zoom meeting and just, <laughs> just how the scheduling worked out. Cause I talked to him a long time ago about coming on, like before the shutdown and he's been out, he's still not come back. I don't know if he's worried about because he's like around sick people getting meds all the Mm -hmm. time or what, but he just hasn't, he hasn't been back to training, but I've been talking with him and he's like a, he's like a friend at this point, you know? Yeah. But he is, uh, he's going to come on tomorrow. So I was like, I might have to space these out or like, we got, we got William Walker, the MMA fighter and we got Will Walker, the pharmacist, like on my, on my meetings, it says that. Yes. Split them up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, anytime I do try to do anything anywhere with William Walker, it's like two most common names in the free world. Like it's insane. I, I thought about seeing if on Twitter if like fake Brian Wilson was better. Yeah, you like, go, yeah. Instead of everybody's like the real Brian Not Wilson. Not really Brian Wilson. Yeah. 
Do you watch uh, you watch like any MTV stuff, any reality TV stuff at all? No, not too much. Like what? Uh, what, what you, have example? you ever seen the challenge? No. Okay, so the challenge is like a. It's basically they take contestants off of the real world. Now it's Big Brother. It's all these, and they put them in a house and they compete, kind of like Survivor style challenges or whatever. But the whole reason I ever started watching it was because of a guy named CT. He's a Boston dude. He's just a monster. But his his Twitter handle is famous for nothing. I think so. I think is the greatest Twitter handle yeah. ever. I'm like, oh, it's so perfect. Man, their Twitter is a, it's an undeniable place of action. Oh, dude, it is. It's wild. And I've that, seen people get like crazy responses. Like you know, they have bad service somewhere and they complain about it on twitter and within like minutes they're like oh here's a gift card for a hundred dollars you know like just crazy wild response to stuff yeah i'm you know i'm noticing that um on facebook a little bit like anymore i'm just like like the other day i was going to get a new bluetooth speaker for my house and uh, i was like what's the best bluetooth speaker? i post in this group i'm in with like twenty thousand people yeah look what's the best speaker for these three you know i want to take it like floating i want to even be able to put it in the shower i want to listen to it in my kitchen yeah wherever and they're like, and like i got like 200 comments oh yeah and people blow up for your opinion you yeah. ask for someone's opinion you get a whole lot of responses and just posting on my personal page yeah i get a lot of response too yeah. but um i've kind of shifted to like posting in groups because yeah. i'm there's so many communities in Facebook now. I was like, uh, you know, I play guitar and stuff and have an insane pedal collection, right? Mm-hmm. These different pedals, like, I like collecting them. And I'm in this group that has 26,000 people and they're posting about their pedals and their boards and all these things all the time. And I learned so much stuff oh, from yeah, being in the group wow. and just seeing it come across my feed. You're like, I never even thought about that. Never even, never even crossed my mind, but there's <sighs> this guy doing it across the country. Yeah. Yeah. I know a guy and I tried to see if we could turn a podcast he said it would take too long but he makes his own guitar pedals it blows my mind I'm like, like he has like a whole setup and like like I would have like this table he's like bags of stuff drawers with it just makes his own pedals that's insane and T he's posting the other day he's like hey these people have been you know supporting this human trafficking or some oh, some man. wild shit and he's like but you can build a copy of their pedal <laughs> And, and can build it, it for you. Yeah, <laughs> and it was funny. He's like, instead of that, just build this. It's cheaper. You get to build the pedal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, it's wild how many like how you can connect into those groups of people. I'm a, I'm in so many groups on Facebook. I don't even know. Like I was randomly look. And I'm like I'm part of 57 groups and I don't even know how. That's a that's really why the, I get momentum on the podcast. Like I, yeah. I'll share this in MMA groups um, that I'm in, or I'll share jujitsu podcasts and BJJ groups, or or vice versa. Yeah. Just Wonder. push them out wherever and get a lot of listens oh, yeah. people it's, just eat that stuff up mm-hmm. it's i think it's easier man it's easier to share stuff on facebook than it is on youtube you just bam bam shared yeah, youtube you got even live i went live the other day and i was able to share into a group yeah it's so, just so much things are a lot easier a lot smoother transition i wonder if they'll ever try and regulate live feeds uh, i don't know it's you would think probably at some point they will they'll try to try to put some kind of control stamp on it but I think that right now there's so many options because people now are using Twitch and YouTube mm-hmm. and there's so many different ways to go live that I think they're probably like, well, if we put too much too much clamp on this, they're just going to go somewhere else. So, but yeah. I think if, if like you talking about how YouTube's kind of people are kind of slowly coming off of YouTube and things yeah. like that, I think if that everyone starts to switch to Facebook, they might. Well, what got me thinking that is like, um, well, with Portland right now, mm-hmm. but with these riots, protests, looting is. 
you i've never really consumed media content on that Mm -hmm. if i want to see what's going on i go do a live video search on facebook some people have said facebook censored live videos i've been able to find live feeds of people on the ground like this morning i woke up and watched some video port when last night there's a guy that does a podcast with the guys telling you about a minute ago from la yeah and he lives in portland and I've been following his posts for like the last five days about Portland. I should hit up Eli McLaughlin. Oh, yeah. He lives in Portland. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, I forgot. But I, all he's doing is taking nature walks and shit. <laughs> and um, this lady I know locally, Meredith, she's going to come on the podcast soon. She has family in Portland and goes there every year. And she's just like, this is what my family says. And it's not what you see in the media. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, there's always it's always crazy how that they weed out the the normal type of stuff it's all like i said it's always an, it's an extremist uh, world we live in now yeah. yeah man it's crazy that's another thing with uh with the coronavirus is how politicized it, it oh, is, no. has become in the united states particularly maybe it's like this in other uh western nations but maybe, yeah. oh man it has just been something else did everything everything now the mass thing has become that way now the you know it's the school thing going back to school now is a political you know argument about you know this person versus that it's just yeah see man that is like i have been a little nervous i mean i'm just gonna wear a mask the whole time i lecture and like till i go sit back down in my office but i would much rather teach online yeah why i i have a i have i'm in class now and they moved all of our classes for the summer online and Mm -hmm. then uh I'm enrolled in a class for August that he already said he's like, now we're doing online. Like we're not, we're not even going to, we're not even going to mess with it. We're just going to do online from now on. So my, my fear is we go back in because our, here's, here's our guideline and plan. Everybody wears a mask. If you have a medical condition, don't come to class. Mm -hmm. You have to wear a mask if you're going to be in class. Yeah. And I can, if you can't wear a mask, you can log in synchronously. Yeah. Here's my concern is student comes in. I say, hey you don't have a mask on you have to leave they say i have a medical condition i cannot ask them about the medical condition yeah. legally that's that's uh, yeah violation of their uh, privacy yes so they want me to police that and that's that's a little concerning for me i'm like i'm not a a policeman yeah of, they're trying to put a lot of wearing a lot of uh, responsibility onto other people yeah and you know i don't really mind that as much but it's just it's a weird little it's a weird dilemma to find yourself in yeah but uh that and so i'm all of my classes i'm shifting to where i'm teaching i'm close to half of what i do online in this by the spring yeah. i've got it all set up but this i'd already made the schedule before we shut down last <laughs> before, semester. yeah and it's all five face-to-faces uh face-to-face classes so no social distancing wear a mask you'll be fine and i'm just like yeah. all my classes are full yeah completely 30 people 30 and it. 30 seats in the room like yeah. there, it's not uh there's no overflow the rooms are small and i'm just like oh man i'm par- I, i'm kind of paranoid about yeah. it i don't know yeah it's nick said it's you've right to be because it can get really bad it's, i mean luckily i believe it's a liberal conspiracy yeah that's right that's all you gotta do that keep you safe <laughs> yeah i mean like literally I've, I've thought about that like what if what if people that tell themselves that are doing that as like a defense mechanism like they have latched onto a truth that allows them to sleep yeah, at night it's so hard that they no matter what you pr- present them with it's going to protect them yeah that's um because 
man, even if it is, it can, it's like I was saying about this. Uh, my philosophy professor used to be like, believing in God is an argument. He would talk, we go over arguments for He's like, it's like bear spray. You go into the woods and you don't have any and you run into a bear, you're screwed. Like mm-hmm. you, can, you might get eaten by the bear, yeah. right? Well, if you have bear spray um, and, and you run into a bear or if you don't, you're probably fine either way. Yeah. He's like, so believe in God, right? Same right. T- same argument. And I was like, well, that's kind of compelling. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm kind of like with coronavirus, I'm like, well, if I believe that it, it's a real and I act accordingly, because honestly, initially, and I think it's valuable to talk about this, I was like, you motherfuckers, stop telling me to wear a mask. Yeah. And after enough education time, personally, I was like, I'm wearing a fucking mask. Well, to me, like people complain about it. I'm like, it's it's mask, man. Like, if one person's life is saved because you wore a mask, is that not worth it to you? That's the kind of stuff that, like altruistic stuff like that is the reason I pivoted. Yeah. But I will tell you straight up, just the type of personality I am. Like I remember when I was in eighth grade and they told me I couldn't wear shorts if I wanted to play in this praise and worship band at church. <laughs> they told me I had a problem with authority and I'm like, you're goddamn right. <laughs> you I have a problem right. with authority. Like who no, doesn't? I got a problem with you telling me I can't wear shorts. That's my problem. <laughs> but the, the sort of virtue signaling of like everybody telling everybody to wear a mask, like I, not, I'm wearing one now everywhere I go, but I'm the personality type where I'm like, yeah, it's almost like, fuck you, I'm not going to wear a mask. I don't want to wear it just because you told, you told me, me to, to yeah. dude. And yeah. I know that's, I'm aware, at least I'm aware that I, I function that way and try and mitigate it. But I, fe- I felt like that curbed me out of just like spite yeah. of their virtues. What I see is virtue signaling. Yeah. People would argue with me about yeah, it. Yeah. My deal at first was that like every day when I go to work, they check our temperature, they check for any signs, symptoms, everything like that. So when I'm not at work, I'm like, dude, I'm getting checked three, four times a week, whether I even have a symptom. So why do I need to be wearing a mask all the time? But then, like I said, I started feeling that way. I'm like, well, what if, you know, if I, if I can save one person's life by wearing this mask, I mean, it's mildly inconvenient. Yes. But that's the sort of stuff that pivoted me pretty quickly. Like I was a few weeks, but I wasn't going anywhere when the gym was closed. I was, yeah, I just, I wasn't like, I remember going to Lowe's and Walmart a couple of times. And one time Walmart, I wore a mask, but there was a period of time where I couldn't get a mask. Oh yeah. They were like, hard to come by for a while. Yeah. And, um, I'm going to have to order some more. Like we, uh, or have worked close to through a 50 pack in the last few weeks. Yeah. See my, like I, I've been wearing masks since March cause I work in a hospital. So yeah. since March, I mean, you go to work, you wear a mask the whole time you're there. Like unless you're sitting in a office by yourself with no one else in the room, you have to wear the mask. So for me now, I'm like, I wear it all day, every day at work anyway. So I mean, what's a few more, you know, when I'm not at home, like I said, I don't go really anywhere. I go to Walmart to get groceries and that's about it. We don't really go a lot of other places. So, man, tell me like, so like you're part of the world. How's the internet over there? How's internet access? Uh, dicey? It's all right. Yeah, it's dicey. Sometimes it's fine. Some, I, I have my PS4 is hardwired into my internet, plugged in with a cord. Mm. Works fine. But like my Wi-Fi is a little sketchy. I just got, dude, they changed MacBooks. Ooh. to where I got to get like a, oh, a special cable <laughs> to plug into the thing. Yeah. And then now I got to get Sunlink to come here and give me a hard, a hard wire. Wired yeah. Line to plug in. Yeah. So, yeah. So like our, our Wi-Fi is in our, our modem is in our den kitchen, kind of right between our dinner and the kitchen. So PS4 is right there and it's hardwired in works fine. But like all in the back of our room where our TV is like our fire stick and stuff, it'll kind of kick itself on and off the internet sometimes. So it's kind of, but it's not too bad. I think ours is overloaded i think in boonville but just yeah, that area because yeah. i've heard a lot of people that 
have internet and they move from this house to this house and they're like, oh, you can't get internet now. And like, but I already had it. Like, well, yeah, but you moved and you took yourself off the network and now we can't put you back on the network and it's, you know. So, oh, wow. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, Clarksville is making a ton of improvements to their network, come to yeah. find out. But um, it's a big, like, four-year project or something oh, yeah. before they're getting rural. Why I ask that is, uh, you mentioned you had kids. Uh, are you, are they going back to school? Are they doing online option? Do you have, We're are, still trying to figure it out. We don't really know. I mean, uh, that internet access is big on anybody considering an online option. As oh, well. for sure. Yeah. That's a, like whenever we, like, kicked us out of school in March or whatever, when I was in college, because I've been in college for, since 2008. I started, went back to college in 2018. Oh, you're going now? Yeah. What are you, what are you studying? Uh, right now I'm trying to get my bachelor's degree so that I can go to PA school, become a physician's assistant. You're gonna do with a PA assistant. I'm just yeah. I'm gonna treat some of these people, get some of these people. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. So that was a big deal for me. Whenever we went out of school, I'm like, oh man, I hope my internet's strong enough for me to do all these classes because I was doing uh organic. No, what's I doing? Yeah, I did organic Organic chemistry this semester. I'm like, dude, I need internet. Like, I need these lecture videos. I ain't gonna. I can't get. I can't fake my way through this. For real, that's yeah. um, that's so important. And uh, at our college, that's guiding a lot of the policy. It's like we pull from a lot of rural areas. Mm-hmm. We're a cheap, uh, one of the cheapest community colleges in the whole state, but a good community college. Yeah. And we draw from all of these rural areas that have shit internet access. Yes, yeah. and a big problem. And we're just like, well, we saw these problems. I mean, even Russellville was talking about them at the school board meeting. That's why that guy said those things. Yeah. It's because like rural area kids or just lower income. And then too, like think about all the immunocompromised kids, special ed kids. Mm-hmm. Like there's immunocompromised little girl that died in Oklahoma last week, 13 years old. That's crazy. So like, I'm like, oh, like these are all things. And I, I talked to my doctor yesterday and she was like, my best friend just got out of ICU and they, she refused to be intubated. Yeah. Like they, they were going to do it and she, she made it. Yeah. And I was like, was she obese or <laughs> like, you know, Does she have respiratory problems before that. Yeah, or? She's like, no, she exercised every day. She was a pitcher of health. She's 38 years old, but she's like one trend we, we are seeing right now is she's like people in their forties are getting hit hard for whatever reason. We were talking about, I was looking this stuff up the other day just cause I'm bored, nothing else to do. And I, the closest comparison that I can find is like the 1918 flu outbreak yeah. or whatever. And it was the same way. It was like kids under five and like people in like the, 30 to 40 year old range and mm-hmm. there was no vaccines and there was no nothing. And I mean, it was just, I mean, it took, I, I want to say it was like almost 18 or 19 months before it kind of leveled way, itself out. There were, I think three or four waves, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, there's a guy on the podcast uh, and I mentioned this a few times, but it's important. Yeah. He's a historian at Ohio State University. His name's Mitch Lerner. And he was talking about during the 1918 flu. And he's written multiple articles on like Washington Post and stuff since the shutdown. But there was the, there were these anti-mask leagues mm-hmm. that sprang up all over. Like we're seeing it right now. Yeah, it's same, same. It's like a repeating history. But that's, he, that's one of his things that I see him doing repeatedly. He's like, some people say this, but if you look at history, yeah, like, right. I mean, just like the stereotypical sort of historian's job, but he's like, he, he makes the most logical arguments looking back to like, and he's not really like, he's really just sort of dispelling the fact that, oh, this is unprecedented, eh? Yes, the poli- the yeah. politicization of mask wearing is unprecedented. Yeah. So 
Interesting. Yeah, that's how I am too. I got people, a lot of people, I've been seeing people talk about the swine flu. Like, oh, we had this many people infected with swine flu. We didn't shut down school. I'm like, yeah, it's because swine flu killed 12,000 people total in the whole time it was mm-hmm. a thing. We're at 140,000 plus Damn. and we're still in the middle of it right and now. And people want to say, and like maybe, maybe in some cases, but like, because uh, I did see for early, for a spurt of like maybe a couple weeks uh, in like April or something, people say that cases uh people were getting they were covid positive Mm -hmm. but they didn't die from covid but they were going into the death count and i'm like well there's still a case i get that they they had a car wreck but they were asymptomatic they got counted as a covid death i don't even know if that's true yeah i don't know but tons of people have said that i've seen that a lot i saw someone posted the other day about like it was a nurse i don't maybe from texas or Oklahoma or somewhere but she was talking about this big uptick we've had in cases and she was talking about how well a month and a half ago it was like you had to break an arm to get someone tested for corona like we had people that we were like 90% sure they had it but they didn't meet this criteria so they weren't even testing them and now anyone that walks through the ER with a sore throat gets a corona test so obviously we're going to have higher numbers you're testing 10 times as many people so clearly you're going to have more positive cases but it's just one of those deals that is that a good thing or a bad thing like when you're asymptomatic and now you know you're positive well, if you follow the quarantine rules, then it's theoretically, it's a good thing because now you know that you're positive and you're not infecting anyone else as opposed to a month ago when you had no clue and you were just going about your life as a normal person. But that's what, like I mentioned, we had this lady here who has, whose husband tested positive. She got, uh, I want to say multiple tests, mm-hmm. never had it quarantined when she thought she had, but it's like, man, living in the same house. And I wonder if it's like, uh, um, turn this off i keep getting buzzed in here i wonder if it is uh people with like certain blood types i was talking to my doctor about that yesterday she said she's type o core is type o but that is one thing trend wise i've seen is that people with type o blood a lot or are not getting hit with symptoms see i have type o blood and i've been in a hospital with coronavirus since march and i had no symptoms no nothing so yeah. Could be, could be something. And then too, like, uh, so there's this guy comes in. Okay, actually, this is relevant to our earlier talk. There's a guy that comes in right now to train. He's going to be in tonight. His name is Doctor Shang. Mm-hmm. He's Chinese. He grew up in the Philippines. Went to med school there. Moved from there to Kentucky. It was a doctor there in Kentucky. Uh, I think Louisville for several years, and then uh, now he lives in Clarksville and he works around the state but mostly does orthopedic surgery in Clarksville and this dude is a martial arts master Wow! right he comes in but I have two Wing Chun dummies in here I don't know if you saw I saw yeah Um, Caleb's dad carved me one and then one of my students just gave me the other one it's like a cheaper one but um, he knows three styles Hey, wow. like, and I don't even know, but he's he's worked re- repeatedly repeatedly with me this it mancata, mm-hmm. where it's like 114 moves or something like that. It's like 11 sections, and and he's like, and he'll he, we'll do it, and he's like, this is how it's done in the southern style. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that? And thing? he's like, well, these pe- these students, it man, these other, you know, they did it this way. Or, yeah, it's it's interesting and. But he's a six-degree judo bite belt. He's a third-degree keto bite belt. I don't know if he holds rank in taekwondo. I haven't asked him. But one time he did the first 10 taekwondo katas with empty hand and then with two swords, two kendo, two bokens. But he knows Aido. He knows kendo. He's he's st- studied in temples in Hawaii. Like, this dude 
is something else man of the world yeah but we talk about coronavirus every thursday yeah he comes in and and he's just like he'll he didn't trash me he's actually super gentle but we'll train together for like an hour and then as soon as we're done we wear masks as soon as we're done he he starts socially distancing from me backing away six feet away and he's like you see this this is a part of the training too like i'm like all right but honestly being around him and this is like why i said like altruistic things like Roland was like, that's his name, Roland. He's like, hey, do you want to train tonight? And I was like, yes, because we were closed. Yeah. And he and I trained, just he, me and him, no other classes Nobody going on or nothing. While, and he's like, I'll come down there, but would you mind wearing a mask? And I was like, no, not at all. Please yeah. come. I, I love it when you come down. I just texted him two days ago, and I was like, dude, thank you for everything you're teaching me. Like, yeah. I'm so inspired by like getting to work with you yeah like tr- like he's just a master i mean like in everything he's acquired he's trained with the fongs mm. right That's so awesome yeah so you, he's chased all this knowledge we're talking about yeah. shows me all like, sends me videos and links and the coolest 72 year old dude you're gonna meet maybe that's i i feel that way with rodney i feel like rodney's been one of those guys that's been around and trained with everybody here yeah. and there and knows so much it's the type same type of deal though it's just i wonder if rodney would be down to come on the, or zoom in or whatever I'm on the sure podcast he for sure would. he's all about it man anytime i've ever been around him like n- no shortage of conversation oh, i'm no, always drawn to like go talk to him if i see him him and zane man zane's zane's a character too yeah i've been around zane a couple of times uh, at that sean shirk seminar and one other place maybe the winter camp he had crazy sideburns yep. you still have those yep it's a bit full beard no no hair on his head but he's got that full beard going so is he at foster's too no he's got his own gym in van buren now actually he's the uh, same spot we were talking about a minute ago uh, or? no he's got his own completely all him he's a zane isaac's championship mma in uh okay. he got in with don paul bales and he's on on their curriculum and on their uh their whole wavelength now yeah doing his own thing how is um how is foster's gym so like where you train now like how's that set up like what's it like training uh, there and everything it's, dude, it's so much fun it's 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 fun for me because i remember being the young you know gung-ho kid that just went in there and went like crazy all the time and now i'm the old guy in the gym so it's pretty cool it's fun for me because i i'll go you know i may go two or three months without training just you know for whatever reason and then i'll show up and you know i got all these brand new guys that never seen me before and i i tell you i tell you it's the funniest thing in the world just i have so many people try to slow roll me coming in because they're like oh what's up and i'm like hey what's new you know it's gonna be like new you, you want to roll some i'm like yeah sure if you want to roll we can roll you know and they'll be like so have you uh you trained before i'm like yeah for like 10 years man <laughs> and they're like oh okay okay i got you okay but yeah so it's it's a blast we have a ton of super talented young kids over there right now and uh then we got foster we got uh uh, Kyron Bowen who's blowing up right now he's all over the place uh, I think he just he's doing the contender series soon mm-hmm. and then uh, we got DC DC's in Bellator right now Daniel Carey so uh, and then Foster's Foster's about to fight in August he's trying to get himself back into the the UFC Bellator picture so there's a lot of big things going on over there it's it's a super cool deal we got a pretty nice setup big boxing ring in the middle and then we have full open mat section to the left of the boxing ring where that most of the MMA kickboxing stuff and then we have a whole another set of mats to the right where all the jujitsu type stuff happens you guys do gi and no gi both yep you train very much in the gi i don't know i've probably trained in the gi maybe five or six times in my life i really like i know there's arguments for and against i've done both the whole time and like if you're gonna do mma i do not uh, other than it just giving you extra time Mm -hmm. like i would just like and i've seen gyms do this but i've told my guys in the past like just don't wear your gi to gi class yeah 
I've seen people do it. I, when I did, the whole time I was fighting MMA, I never, I was kind of like you. I was like, I don't really see a point in me doing the learning to use grips and handles because I can't use them in a fight. So I don't, so I never did. And then since I've been, like I said, I don't really fight that much anymore. I fight, you know, kind of periodically. But now this foster gym is the first gym I've ever trained at where we had like a for real gi instructor that would teach us gi jujitsu. Like everywhere else, it's always been like MMA, no gi, you know, non classical grappling, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I try to get in and do classes every hand, but it's, it's hard. The scheduling is tough for me right now and that back on the 10th planet stuff that is what i've always loved and i meant to say this earlier but like eddie's connection to john jock like mm-hmm. as soon as i learned about that i was like his spec yes right right i was like immediately then then like when i learned that it blew my mind because i've known about eddie for a few years and i just not picked up on that detail yeah and I was then I was like, well, damn, John Jock is like. Then I was like, why are people giving Eddie Bravo that's shit? What, that's what I said to you, man. I always I didn't understand it that he had that tie in, but but that's where a lot of his inspiration for this, you know, the underhook, overhook, all that stuff came yeah. from. Because John Jock, you know, yeah, no, exactly, no grips for him, no no gee grips going on. So that uh, Brandon McCatherine, when he was on, his name spelled like McCagrin. Oh. But Brandon, he's like, it's McCawthron. <laughs> when he was on the podcast, he was talking about John Jock coming in for this seminar in this crazy time where like their town had flooded and there's like no power. And he's talking about John Jock like feeding his kid, like like with an airplane and stuff. Oh, it's like hilarious John Jock stories on um, on the podcast. I need to go find that and, and get a couple of clips out. Yeah. But he talks about training with John Jock and stuff. And I'm just like, man, John Jock, like... He was, at, I was at when Hickson got promoted to red belt. He like never wears it. Yeah. But um, Core and I were at that seminar and John Jock comes busting in and like Bobby Osantos, Horian Gracie, Hoyler, Pedro Sauer. I'm just into, Hickson was actually using me to demo the technique when they all bust in and I'm like, Ooh, what's happening? I'm like laying in the floor and Hickson's like trying to show this drill and I'm like sweating bullets. Like, yeah. dude, Hickson Gracie is like using me right now, guys. Mount Rushmore Jiu Jitsu just walked through the door. Oh, and, and then I and then I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. It's, um, but man, training with Hickson was, I will say, like one of the most enlightening experiences I've been through at training martial arts. I can't even imagine. imagine he never even, sh- he showed one grip. You see where you're, sh- you're bunched up right there? Yeah. He put his hand on somebody and uh, they pushed into him and he just kept his hand there. They went to go away and he went like that. <laughs> That's it. That is the only grip he showed the whole time. He, it, but everything was very much here. Yeah. But man, he's that MMA background so much. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I appreciated that. Like oh, yeah. I've, that's well, one thing I've remarked on several times. Like, man, he showed one grip. Yeah, that's because every I hate man. Like I tell people all the time, like my pinkies. Oh yeah. Like right there, this one's not so bad anymore. All my fingers were like that on both sides of the joints. Yeah, I'm starting to get that way from playing like spider guards and shit and competing. I let go of all that. Yeah, like literally, like I'm like, oh, you want your grip back? Okay, okay. <laughs> take it. <laughs> like. Like, oh, no, I want to play spider guard more than I want my finger joints. Yeah, exactly. I need arthritis for the rest of my life. Spider guard's fucking weird. I like it, but, like, if you try and get away, it will rip your hands apart. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. That's why I never got – that's another reason I never got super big into the gi because I was the same way. Like, someone would twist my hand up in their gi, and I'm like, well, no, I don't like that. Never. Yeah. I'll pass. I knew a guy. um, He was really – he was actually – he owned a – like he trained with the guy out of Tulsa that passed away, JKD guy, Terry mm-hmm. Gibson. Terry Gibson, yeah. Right? Uh, Sean King was his name, okay. right? Um, but he he was trained uh, 
Yeah, also there's another guy out of New York named Danny Anderson. Do you know who that is? He's I've a heard full the name, instructor under Nissano. He trained at Danny's. Danny's actually from Clarksville, Arkansas, and owns like cool. trains me a Jovovich in New York City. Yeah. Right? But <clears throat> anyway, I don't even remember where I was going with that. Danny Anderson, what was I talking? Losing Weird. fingers. Oh, yeah, Sean King got his, his pinky caught up in somebody's gi like that, and it tore it sideways. And it was his middle finger joint was huge and his his pinky was literally like bent over like point over there yeah and um i don't know if he'd ever had surgery on it i knew a friend that happened to him in football and he did have surgery on it and his pinky's fucked to this day like just huge in the middle can't bend it all the way it doesn't close doesn't yeah i know a guy that trained uh, jkd with us that got one of i think it's his pointer finger got his pointer finger ripped off at work so now he only has three knuckles and I remember him trying to relearn how to punch and hit oh straight God. leads and stuff with it with only having the three knuckles. Yeah. yeah. That's he, rough. He lost a finger at work. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where I had the place where my dad worked for like 25 years, they had a steel saw and I wasn't there. I worked there in the summers and stuff when my, like when I was 16 on, but there he had a guy he still goes something with this dude to this day named john carlton and he got one of his fingers cut off oh. this happened when i was a kid but i remember when it happened and like i remember I, every time i would go back and be around that saw i would think about that dude getting his finger cut off at finger. work yeah i have a scar where i almost i didn't almost lose a finger or anything but we were hanging sheet metal like underpinning yeah. a trailer and I, we're trying to get it under this trailer and it won't go and this guy that i'm working with kicks it and as soon as he does it just smashes my finger in there and i'm like that's all i could think of I was like i don't have a thumb my thumb is gone there's no thumb left it's completely gone dude i did that on this uh finger opening a can i was making oh, yeah. stew and i was <laughs> opening cans of vegetables and it just cut myself somehow crazy i'll tell you a similar thing that happened one time we were my office at the last gym we built this big window right and we ordered a piece of glass to put in and we didn't have suction cups oh you're right? holding it by a palm yeah and I, I got up I don't even remember but man it went down and smashed my finger and fingernail <sighs> boy it hurt man and it just smashed my fingernail it didn't even fall off yeah. right but damn I'm never gonna forget that smash and like how heavy and precise that glass was on my finger <sighs> yeah crazy dude it's crazy the little like little bitty stuff like that that you think of like you're like oh i've been kicked in the face and i've been this and it, it wasn't that bad but i got my finger smashed once and you hell ever, no i don't want that no more <laughs> you ever draw blood or anything in your profession or no you just do x-rays? oh yeah yeah i do i do lab i work in a lab okay. and shit dude i was a gigantic pussy yesterday i was just <laughs> like because i went in for a wellness check and i wanted to get my blood work checked and i get there and they're like so uh what are we doing today and i was just like well you know here's my medical history i just want to be i want to come in every year and get checked out but dude i fucking hate needles like, oh, yeah. like how about this how about you choke me unconscious and then draw my blood before i wake up like <laughs> I, i'm down to get choked i was like punched in the face i got two black belts i was like but you were freaking me out right now yeah, lady like you're trying to with that <laughs> but i asked her like afterwards i just i kind of was like how am i going to get over this i'm like yeah. 33 years old it's not it's not like i pass out but i was like did this ever bother you taking somebody's blood and she was like i used to be scared to get my blood taken as you are yeah and she's like and then i went through school and i didn't just get my grade for drawing your blood I got my grade for getting my blood drawn. So she's like, that was it. I had to get my blood drawn or I would fail. And I was like, well, that's, I guess, how the theory behind how we learn a lot of things. Yeah. Right? Or how we get over See one, do one, teach one kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's when we were in x-ray school. We practiced on each other. 
Yeah, I was Actually, joking around Corey yesterday or today. This morning, I was like, oh. Yeah. oh. But man, I, I'm not like I, I'm not super squeamish about blood. Like if there's a cut in the gym or anything, like it doesn't freak me out. I can clean you up. I can yeah. put Vaseline in it. Whatever, whatever we need to do. Like I've had some weird things over the years oh, happen yeah. in the gym. You know, dislocated toes and. I was telling a story about somebody front kicking somebody like snap style and hitting their elbow and it dislocating one of their little toes. That's and I was just like, oh, right, this toes, weird man. stuff that I happens. Hate toes, toes always get me. I hate, I hate my feet getting hurt. It drives uh, me nuts. Yeah, that, uh, the other day somebody um, took me down and we were drilling. I was having them show it on me and they did something else that we weren't doing. <laughs> and I fell and I like rolled over my toes, and it hurt so bad for oh, several yeah. days. But I have such a bad ankle. I have this this one ankle that I I don't know. I don't know if it's what for just from years of stuff, but I it's ruined. I can't I can't do anything with it. I have like the weakest ankle. I Cor- roll it all Cor- the time. Got two really two bad ankles. I mean, at like it, putting her in a heel hook. Like if you pull it through and mm-hmm. drop it in, just the act of pulling it through, she'll tap to that. Yeah, because of the because of the ankle joint, not yeah. because of the knee. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm the same way. I got one really bad ankle, and the first time I ever heard it was shadow boxing by myself, doing nothing else. I went to hit a pivot, and I my foot got like caught in between the cracks of the mat, and so I landed like full weight on my ankle sideways. You and rolled it. Whew, that was oh, it. Oh man! From that point on, every time I I do anything, it seems like it gets messed up. Yeah, yeah that's dude. The flukiest little thing. I know. It's so dude, dumb. I. I I'll tell you, man, I, I woke up this morning, I sneezed four times for whatever. I was like, this is weird. I'm seeing, but the last two times I got like nerve pain between my shoulders. Like, ah, <laughs> ah, ah, it hurt bad. But I was like, man, I was like, man, I don't, don't want to sneeze anymore. Today. Yeah, I'm done. It was kind of irregular. I just woke up and I hadn't moved around a lot. And I yeah. just, I've been, been having a little nerve pain in my shoulders. Um, cause I, I, I just saw the chiropractor actually. Yeah. And it, it kind of, I kind of experienced it after I see him for like a week. And uh, man, it just bit me though. But it's the funny stuff like that, that like the life of a martial yeah. artist. Yeah, that's right. Waking up creaking and popping and snapping. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I'll say one thing. Do you, so do you fight Southpaw or Wirtha? Southpaw. All right. Always. So, so check this out. I am left-handed, yeah. but I fight Ortha. So we're the same. The same one? Same, right? same. I subscribe to that. I don't push it on people. Yeah. Actually, what I tell people is I'm like, which way feels better yeah it's usually how i am too yeah because i um i switched i did my first two fights i was southpaw and mm-hmm. honestly when i switched to ortho and i don't know if it's just because more people teach that way it f- it felt more economical to me yeah there was a better economy of motion yeah. right so that was a noted difference but one thing that used to happen to me all the time was the rear leg kick going mm-hmm. knee to knee. Oh, yeah. It's a rough one. Shin, shin, shin on shin. Yeah. Man, I remember one time going knee to knee with somebody. We were just sparring kind of light. And it like hyper, like my knee like wrapped around. Bend around. Like, yeah. Oh. And it, it hurt. I remember like four months later kneeling down to get something on the bottom shelf at Walmart. And like my leg wouldn't bend all the way. <laughs> like the knee was still in flame. Still, yeah. <laughs> still not working right. Yeah. My deal that I always tell people is like, for me, especially when I started, so when I started fighting, I was a grappler. I was, my striking was not good. It's not terrible. I literally took my first fight after about like oh, two weeks maybe of training, maybe that long. And so I always tell people like, this is my strongest, fastest, most accurate weapon right here. So I want this as close to your face as I can possibly get it. That's why I fight Southpaw. Okay. So, that's so my deal. That's another thing. It's like I, I've, after 20 years almost of playing guitar, 
I now take lessons. Mm-hmm. I'm hired, I've hired somebody to teach, teach me. me. But I look at the guitar the same way. Yeah. Like, okay, so right-handed guitar player plays this way. Yeah. You know, is this the hard shit with the guitar? <laughs> or is yeah, this? Yeah, I get in this motion. Yeah. And it blows my mind when I see somebody left-handed play this way. I'm like, I can't do shit with my right hand yeah. like that. Like, like, that's about it. Can't like, even make it work. Oh man, it's. I've tried to pick up a left-handed guitar and make chord. I can't even do it. Like air chords. I'm like, gee, all right. Yeah, back and forth. You're like, wait a minute, time out. Let me. Yeah. I, but the stuff like that. Um, I eat and write with my left hand, and I mean do all the hard shit on the guitar and then jabs and hooks and lead uppercuts. Yeah. Right, it's back fist maybe. Yeah. You know, Willie, you, you know, so yeah, you did train with Willie yeah. McArthur, right? Um, he, you ever do this something? He'd call it the double bitch slap. he go, jab, cross, hook. Wow. Yeah. He'd come back with <laughs> come the back, back on fist. Dude, that dude back fisted me more on the ground when I was in his guard. He'd be like, he'd be like laying back over here. Boop. Yeah. <laughs> But man, that's like, I loved hanging out with Willie. He was always so unorthodox. Willie is one of the, just his personality, even if there was no martial arts training at all, his personality is, he's so fun to be around. He's just so much fun. He was on the podcast a while back. I watched that. I watched that one. It it got a great, uh, great feedback. To me, the one, so the first time I ever went to Brada, it was me, Wade, uh, Chitwood was there. uh, Bryce was there. I mean, just, you know, those were the the big guys. And then there's, you know, other class around in that. I'm pretty sure it was Eli. I don't think it was Rudy. I think it was Eli was there. And the funniest thing to me the whole night, we're getting ready to leave. Everything like the lights are all shut off. And he's like, Eli, let's go. And Eli's kind of texting on his phone or whatever. And he's like, Eli. And he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to talk to this. All right. What he said, I can't remember how he said. He's like, oh, I'm trying to get, trying to get some or something like that. And and Willie goes, oh yeah, what's his name? And as soon as he said it, me and Bryce and Wade all start dying and laughing, you know, and it's just like little stuff like that that he does all the time. Oh yeah. And it's like, he can't turn it off. It just, it's hilarious. We would, we would always go to T-Bell after, after fight training. And, uh, that would just be the funniest shit. Like watching uh, Rolly's videos, like the UFC live videos of Bryce and Willie dancing and doing all that. He's, you know, it's so funny. Did you see the one where, uh, he's like, you never know what Willie's going to say, but he's like live in with Bryce and they're like, it's like, I think the night before weigh-ins, but he's like, so you ever seen like when two dogs are doing oh, it yeah. and like, and then the one dog, he can't get his swollen. He can't get it out. So they invert and yeah. then their butts are stuck together. He's like, how are you going to get them unstuck? <laughs> and Bryce is like, I'm going to melt some butter. <laughs> yeah. like, that, like the stuff they're saying, I'm just like, oh my God. Those two, man, I swear they're hilarious together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man, Willie is uh, is something else. That dude uh, has taught me so much. Oh, yeah. I can't tell. I, like, every, there's almost not a day goes by I don't do something out there that I imported from. It was this weird time where, like, when he was in cabin, when he first moved to Cersei to where uh, that Jimmy got from Max Bishop, mm-hmm. to where I just trained with him more than Caleb and Inferno, more than Dring. Like, he was the closest guy. Yeah. And... I just got to spend a lot of time with him and, and with Wade and shit. I remember one day training with Wade and he had my arm trapped like in between his legs and he was like pounding me, right? And uh, I got my arm out using yeah. some t- technique Willie had taught me. Yeah. And like, and like it, I remember it being so, demo- like Wade just beat my fucking ass. Yeah. Like it was so demoralizing. And after he was like, dude, good job like nobody ever gets out of that arm thing and i was like thanks man yeah 
Thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, but dude, you know, at that that same day I'm talking about, Josh Hudson and Dave Burrow were in there. Mm-hmm. It that was just like it, it around that time was a great uh, hub for people to come oh, together. Yeah. Now I think like West Side's like that now. Yeah. Now it's everybody's moving and, and going in and out of West Side and it's great, man. Yeah. Same deal, Rolly and Matt, same deal. Both like even without the martial arts knowledge, they're just two cool people to hang out with and just I would so like to have them. I'm going to hit them up to come on the podcast eventually. I kind of, I felt like I overburdened my audience with jiu-jitsu and MMA episodes. Yeah. So I broke off and did a few like non-jiu-jitsu, and MMA, yeah. but now I'm just like, I got to get some of these people yeah. on my list. Brian Foster's on the list. Oh, yeah. I need Foster to, will do it for sure. He's yeah. a nut, man. He cracks me up. You know, I've, I've never, I've just been around him a couple of times, but I will say like the dude's kind of intimidating. Everybody Does he come off that, that way? Like, Not I mean, to me, that's, it's yeah. funny to me now. Cause knowing him as long as I have people are like, man, he's kind of an asshole. And I'm I saw, like, eh, I wouldn't not say really. <laughs> that. I did see him get upset in an AGF one time. Oh, he gets a, he gets upset a lot. About oh, I get upset at AGF. So I was like, maybe he's not that bad. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, I do like, dude. If you screw one of my guys on the points, oh, yeah. Brian is uh, a <clears throat> Brian's one of those people. He's been around the sport for so long, and he's been literally to the highest level of the sport mm-hmm. in so many different aspects that when people try to shortchange it or try to cut corners and do stuff, he just he loses it. He's like, this is not how it's supposed to be. It's not how we're doing it. This is you know, he's just one of those guys and that's that back to the disease man yeah. like when you when you are truly passionate about something it comes it, it's okay. hard it's hard for me to not come out that way when it's like oh yeah uh, i've invested my whole life in this and you're mm-hmm. just gonna shit on it yeah, like, that's exactly how, that's where brian comes from and, and he tries to you know people are like oh we're gonna do it this way and he's like you're trying to tell me that you know more about this than i do like you're trying to tell me you know more about fighting than i do like let's let's you know like don't even let's not even play this game you know so it's just very stuff. His thing now is commissioners. He gets into it with commission people all the time, and it cracks me up. Yeah, I, I wonder how's the commission right now. Do you have any idea? Uh, we did a deal f- show in uh, Oklahoma. When was it? It was Poto. We did Poto not that long ago, maybe a month ago, and we got another one August fifteenth in Poto. And I mean, it's about like normal. It's not been too crazy. Yeah, but Oklahoma has different rules than Arkansas does, so yeah. I don't know. You can knee in the face, an amateur. That's true, yeah. That's great. That's right. Except last time I took an amateur kickboxer there, he got knee in the face, and I was like, fuck. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it was... I don't it, like this. It, was kind of a, it kind of obliterated his soul a little bit. Yeah, so I think it's good, though, because I think it's crazy that in Arkansas you can't, you know, do the elbows and the knees, and then you turn pro, and you're like, surprise, guess what? Now you're getting knee in the face, and you've never done it before, but... Yeah, yeah, I think it's good for some of them. I think I I could see how you would have your first few in Arkansas where you can't knee your elbows and then go over to Oklahoma and try it out for That's a few. That's what we used to really do. Um, I had a guy, do you, do you remember a dude fought over there named Bogey Blunt? Bogey Blunt? No, I don't know. What remember. a fucking weird name. That man. is a crazy name. Uh, yeah, Bogey Blunt. I had a guy fight him twice. One time it was it was a was supposed to be a title fight. Mm-hmm. My guy's like 7-0 and or 9-0 and or something. And he fought Bogey, and Bogey didn't make weight or something weird, and they made it a non-title fight. That's weird. So we were like, whatever, and they fought to a draw. Oh, God. And it was one of those fights that Apollo used to have in the ring. Oh, yeah. Right? Speaking of choke, like, yeah. I remember Apollo giving me a hug at that show because like, like, they really put Good, on an amazing fight. fight. Yeah. And um, I was like, fuck, man, Apollo cooked just gave me a hug. <laughs> wow he said thank you to yeah. me for coming to his show like he smelled great <laughs> like i was just like i was just i couldn't believe it it was a nostalgic moment but um it was definitely cool being around him seeing choke that many times but we went back again and fought him and lost a split decision mm-hmm. oh, and it was just a frustrating deal but in that fight kind of like um 
John Jones did to Matt Hamill. Oh, yeah. My guy got slammed on his shoulder. Oh, yeah. And it dislocated his AC joint. Oof. That's yeah. a rough, that's a I, that's terrible injury. Yeah, that's terrible. One. Willie was right there when it was at Drings. The seminar I got my jujitsu blue belt. It was a, the morning after. I got it Friday night. We we're training a judo seminar with Jonathan Border, 9 a.m. Like right out the gate, we're doing hip throw drills, and somebody throws me onto my shoulder. I dislo- I broke the AC joint. I crawl off, and I'm writhing in pain, and Willie's like sitting there. He's like, you all right, mate? Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, oh, it hurts. Yeah. Oh, but dude, they sl- they put me in a sling, and I remember driving back uh, in so much pain. It's terrible. Yeah, I uh, I actually fought with a fractured fracture in my humeral head. Same deal. Someone got tried to like judo toss me, and I tried to block it, but he mm-hmm. had my wrist, so I blocked it. But now we're just like falling. Like there's just nothing to stop us. And yeah, we watched- was literally the week of a fight. <laughs> We watched this on the podcast a while back, but you know who Eric Ingram is from Memphis? Mm-hmm. He around the same time, around the same, he was actually at that seminar recovering from this. He was getting thrown like like with a Macacomi type throw, which they go down first, and you don't really see that you're about to fall underneath him to the very end. And he put his hand down and dislocated his elbow. That's happened to one of my guys Ooh, in a elbow. fight. Yeah, Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, um, Mitch Hall used to own a gym and Cabot and he this guy he's a redheaded dude wore, they wore like bandanas over their face they, they were it's actually the most unsportsmanlike fight I've ever been a part of yeah that's neither here nor there but same situation my guy got thrown boom and then he breaks his elbow and then is getting like ground and pounded from like yeah. like a head arm type position and then then it gets called but my guy's just sitting there like his arm is dislocated yeah and he gets up and it's like bent backwards and and i was just like oh my god what happens what do we do here oh you know a similar incident evelyn this girl she trains her here last night she posted her hand or not she didn't the she took a girl down Mm. and the girl like had her like head wrapped and evan like dropped in for a double and got her posture back and that girl went off the head wrap Oh, and, behind her. and she might have still i can't remember if it was the one i think it was she came off the head but dude talk about a blood curdling scream she compound fractured her arm Ugh. and she like held it up and it was just the bone is sticking out it's like blood's running down her arm but i like to joke with evan about it all the time i'm like i'm never gonna forget that scream oh, like, yeah. like, that's like what a blood curdling scream i yeah. know what that is now yeah you hear those man especially working in the hospital you come to the hospital you hear a few oh, of those and you know he seemed like a totally well-balanced guy, but I think about this for law enforcement a lot. Like, do you see shit that kind of fucks with you a little bit? On your uh, sometimes, it's very, it's pretty rare. That's good. That is, I mean, cause you know, like who likes going to hospital for like, cause usually, you know, like when I'm going to hospital, I'm there, it's like, okay, this is not good. Somebody's yeah. here I love that's not doing well. I'm sure it's a little different than that for you. Yeah, I know I, you go in and it's, that's going on every day, but. I try to always, treat people like the way i look at it is i'm probably dealing with this person on the worst day of their life like whenever i go to see someone like for me i'm like okay this is not a big deal but to them this is you know a real serious deal otherwise they wouldn't be here so i try to always approach it with that you know that mentality like even though i think this is you know nothing major this is probably a a major event for their life because you do you kind of get numb to it after a while if you you do it for so long it's you know that is kind of the thing with with cops too that i've talked to is like look you see people on the worst day of their life mm-hmm. right like a hundred percent like it's 
and they may be a great person, right? right? Like, and you just see them on a bad day. Same thing for like I know that um, it's got to be hard right now. Like you're saying with family members mm-hmm. and um, just on normal. Okay, yeah, this person's in the hospital, but they can't have visitors, even though they don't have COVID. Yeah, St. Mary's, our local hospital, just kind of reverted back to that. Yep, that's how so. it's been for a lot of us. Is that no no visitors at all, no matter what? Because you know, I mean, and people people don't understand. People are crazy. We had somebody. Some people come in the other day. They wanted to come pray for somebody. I'm like, do you guys not understand? Can you pray a, from the okay, yeah, I was say there. They don't know this person. They just heard through Facebook or wherever that this person was in a car. I think they were in a, maybe a, like a full accident or a car accident or something. And it's a just great a thing about prayer, come. man. You could do it from across <laughs> the like, globe. We're here. We want to pray over him. And we're like, do you guys not know what's going on in the world right now? Like, no, I'm sorry. You cannot come in here to this stranger's room and pray over him. Today, actually, I had a guy on the podcast, a cult member for five years oh, wow. like this uh okay so you know seventh day adventist like mm-hmm. there's a splinter group off of them that became like the waco group oh yeah right so have you seen that show yet uh no i've never seen waco. on netflix it's wild like a jim some, jones kind of thing yeah, yeah right but the atf like killed a bunch of their members and they it's it's a kind of fucked up story but yeah equally weird of a story is their beliefs Anyway, well, then, so, like, you had Seventh-day Adventist and this thing splintered, uh, evolved out of that called, like, Worldwide Church, and they, like, celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday and stuff. Well, off this Worldwide, there's a splinter group off of that called RCG, and he basically moved to Ohio, lived at their compound for five years, and, like, talked all about his crazy podcast. That's wild. Let's check that out. That'd be crazy yeah, to see The guy's name's Brock Boozer. Like, I think it's... Yeah, I think I, saw, I think I saw his name on the list. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's scheduled to come out today. So yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah, sure. I've seen. I don't know, man. There's some crazy stuff. You see some wild stuff out there. There's a for a long time. I don't know if it's still there, but there was like a crazy uh, uh, baby making ring in close to the hospital I worked at, where they were, had these girls that they were they were getting pregnant, and then as soon as they were having the babies, they were putting the babies up for adoption and collecting adoption fees, and then turn around and getting the same girls pregnant again. And they were just going through this cycle. It's pretty wild. Were the deal. people making the babies compliant in any way, or was that like they don't speak English? They were all like uh, uh, some kind of islanders. I can't remember, but there was like one person in the whole group that spoke English, and and then everybody else couldn't communicate. And and I'm talking, we're getting people from like Salt Lake City, L.A., Portland, like crazy places. And we're like, how did you find out about this baby? Oh, we just heard about it. That's it nothing else wouldn't give any explanation would get any stories nothing so it was just it was it was crazy it was wild we went through that for a while it's been a couple years ago so i don't know if it's that's you know, been shut down since then but it was a it was a wild deal what do you think about this concept mail order brides there's no way males are too easy to get a hold of <laughs> we're, we're too easy to sucker in you can, we, there's not enough demand for us out there yeah yeah well like okay so like when i'm I, this this came up with a guy i'm not gonna say names but he used to work where I work and he basically um, married this person online but like like moved her here like she didn't speak any English like yeah. that sort of situation like yeah. they order, ordered, full, ordered full, a wife through the mail yeah, like man, I'm a bride full situation I, I can't believe that that's a thing like cause oh, yeah. she didn't and then too she like moved in with like like her, like her mother-in-law or something and then I can't even remember the whole story but I want to say they ended up splitting up and got somebody like 
Yeah. But it's like that person moved to the country. That's the thing for like them over there. Like I'm from what I understand, I don't know, obviously I don't know the whole situation, but for them, a lot of them, it's, it's about just getting here, just getting to this country. And you know, they try to bring their, you know, whatever brother, sister, mom, father with them. And then even if they get here and the thing doesn't work out now, they're at least in this country and you know, yeah yeah uh the the border situation's wild it is pretty crazy uh, like I, I know a journalist he's been on podcast twice that's down there he he his wife works in corpus christi yeah and he teaches here but he's down there all the time yeah. and like the he'll end up writing a book but the stories he says about the coyotes and the and the money and the guns and the smuggling and all that yes. stuff yeah i can't even i have a, i know a guy right now that's working in brownsville which is like three miles from the mexican border but he's down there working in uh in hospitals and so yeah i always tell him like hey man you watch it while you're down there yeah yeah it's um it's a crazy dynamic down there and like with the how the how everybody is just getting funneled into this bottleneck Mm -hmm. of processing like that that's kind of the as i understand a, a policy change which may have even i can't remember the specifics Trump amended a little bit, but it's actually an Obama era policy. But it was more of like a, a wider funnel, and it just bottlenecked these people into processing to where there's hundreds of thousands of cases that need to be heard, and there's yeah. not enough people or time to hear them. Yeah, that's kind of how a lot of the stuff in our system gets bogged down. It gets bogged down to a point where this set number of people have to hear it in order to either approve or deny it, and they've got so much on their plate that. One thing that blew my mind is everybody he was taught, not everybody, but uh, everybody he told me about, he talked to, to at the border on the podcast. He was like, this person um, was com- coming over from, uh, you know, uh, let's see what he was talking about, like different European countries, the Middle East. Like it wasn't like, oh yeah, they came from some South American country. Oh, yeah. it was, they it's- came from some other country to some South American country that would give them like a one week window to travel to the border and then they would try and get to the border to get in for the processing and but people were coming from all over the world into south america uh, or central america rather uh both to get to the border and i i never i never knew it was that that was going on as much as it was oh yeah there's a lot of people coming from yeah just anywhere anywhere they could to get to mexico or wherever down there and then try to make their way north yeah I've heard a lot of crazy stories about stuff like that. I've heard people come from Canada. Same deal with Canada. Yeah, yeah. I want to say somebody did. Um, he he did say it was from Canada. Some uh, an uh, an Southeast Asian country uh, mm-hmm. was one particular story. Uh, and just like the stories of the people that are they're fleeing horrible shit. Yeah, and coming over. So, yeah. man, it's that's like the cuban thing like people like how could you imagine getting on a raft and trying to float to america like well if you lived in cuba you could imagine it pretty easily like for them like whatever i'll take my chances like yeah yeah wild stories like the cuban refugee crisis in arkansas it got wild well the japanese when they relocated all the japanese people to arkansas i was reading about that not that long ago. executive order 9066 that stuff's wild they were for coffee right yeah uh well the cuban refugees were at fort was that what it was right uh but um Let's see. Um, there Jerome was a, and Rower. Yeah, let's say that's where, where there was two. You know what they made them do? Fucking pick cotton, dude. Isn't that fucked up? That's crazy. <laughs> like, Back to slavery days. Like quite, quite, quite literally, like surrounded in a fence, guard towers. They pick cotton during the day. And dude, it's super sad. I show these videos of George Takai talking about it. And he talks about how he was a. 
I can't remember if he was second or third generation. I think his father had moved from Japan. But what's, what's fucked up is you could be a third generation Japanese, meaning your grandparents migrated, had your parents, and then they had you. You're still going. Yeah. Doesn't right? matter how long you've been here. Yeah. So third generation Japanese Americans were, uh, but he talked about how people would form outside of the houses like a little mob and uh, uh, to basically loot their house after they got shipped off in the bus. That's crazy. So he said his dad put all of his books and some other things in a storage building. And when they got out, he went back to the storage building. They're like, yeah, no, we don't have any record of that, but he paid it the whole time. That's crazy. Yeah. Just taking, just stealing everything they have, everything yeah. they worked for. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Well, dude, let's, uh, if, if it's all right, man, let's go ahead and wrap it up. I've got to right. go uh, next door and pay my penance for course. That's right. Yeah. For all that hard manual labor. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, man, thanks for making the drive. Dude, I really appreciate, appreciate it. Cause I would have been down to do a zoom, but I'm, it's great seeing it's, people. Yeah, more, yeah. I love having podcasts in their studio yeah, versus like being here, man. sitting here with yeah. my little screen. It's like I said, it's cool in here. I like it. It's awesome. Well, I tell this to most guests. Some I don't. But if you ever if you ever want to do another one, man, Dude, if I you mean, got a fight coming up or you just you think you might fight anymore? I, I think about it, yeah. I thought I thought uh maybe August I was thinking about it, but just it's kinda hard with school and training and trying to figure out if my kids are gonna go back to school and just kinda it is a fight. I'm also thinking about going to Texas for a few weeks or a month to help with some of these uh high risk areas so i'm kind of on the fence about what i'm gonna do there so i, haven't, I didn't want to commit to anything yet but yeah maybe i'm for sure i will do you teach anything right now like it fosters ever no not really because i'm not consistent enough i'm not there consistently enough but to you really have a wealth of knowledge though i've i've collected quite a bit of knowledge over the years from getting yeah. beat up by different people so yeah yeah well man thanks so much for coming on i appreciate, I appreciate it man i can't wait to come back right on bro signing off